What's happening, weirdos? This is one of my favorite conversations we've had on the show with Huey Lewis, who I knew from Huey Lewis and the News, uh, who you know from Huey Lewis and the News. And here is Huey Lewis, Sands News. Uh, we sat on this episode for a couple months now. Uh, it's a wonderful chat, um, but we wanted to release it this week because they just put out a new record called Weather, which is available everywhere. Uh, you know, you get your music. It's weather as in stuff in the sky, not weather as in whether or not it's the weather of the sky or the weather that is indicative of two things being, you get it. Anyway, before we get to this wonderful chat, uh, I am on tour currently with the wonderful Lara Bites. Uh, the, the tour dates coming up are Cleveland, San Jose, Houston, and Phoenix. We're going to be adding even more, so check in at PeteHolmes.com or get tickets to those uh, currently. The next show in L.A. is going to be on uh, March 25th. Thank you to everybody that came to the last show. It was awesome. Uh, Zach Alphanakis was there. Candace Thompson was there. It was incredible. Super, super fun. They're always super fun. Uh, go to Largo-LA.com for tickets. I also apologize for the bad sound quality i am in a i'm in a hotel currently uh so those are the shows coming up i do want to give a shout out to the pete's picks our wonderful sponsors as you guys know i only do promotions for products that i actually use and truly love and use every day uh one of the originals is alpha brain uh from our friends at on it alpha brain is a nootropic uh it is earth-grown ingredients that are uh helpful to memory focus and basically brain function and creativity for the past four or five years now there hasn't been a podcast a stand-up set a stand-up taping um whenever i'm writing whenever i'm going out uh with friends and honestly whenever i'm just feeling a little bit off and i don't know what it is but i can't find uh the access to the fullness of my brain and my potential i always take alpha brain to help me with those in creative endeavors or to help me just live a more full and vibrant life. It is incredible. It helps me with anything <laughs> that I do that involves my brain. I wish I had this stuff in school, but it definitely helps me retain things that I read, helps me pay attention to people when I'm talking to them. That's why I take it before the pod. It's basically like fish food for your creativity, for your ideas, and for your inspiration. And I love it, and I swear by it. They uh, make capsules and they make powder. I have both on my desk currently uh, here in the hotel. I have a bottle with me in my bag. I have it in my car. I usually have it in my pocket. I don't, I literally don't go anywhere without it. I swear by it. You'll feel the difference. It's not a stimulant like caffeine. It's just something that gets in you and helps you do what you need to do. Uh, the best thing to do if you're curious is to try it. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off any of the items you see on that landing page. The other uh, wonderful sponsor here that I'm also traveling with currently is Kachava. Kachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix that is full of eight superfruits, 17 greens and veggies. It's got 24 grams of plant-based protein, got nine grams of fiber there's no gluten there's no soy there's no artificial sweeteners or preservatives what it does have is coconut nectar which is a low glycemic sweetener that makes it sweet and delicious it has powdered coconut milk in there 
to make it creamy and chocolatey or vanilla-y if you're nasty. Obviously, they're using raw cacao, so this isn't like a junk food chocolate. This is the superfood raw cacao that is a mood elevator. It is a, it gives you a lot of good energy. Um, it also has maca root in there, which is also a wonderful energizer and invigorator. I'm going to use the word invigorator there. I got it to add to my smoothie, but it turns out cachava is the smoothie. You can make it with water and it's actually good. That's all you need. You put it in a shake bottle, put in a couple scoops or one scoop if you use a scoop in the bag, shake it up and you're ready to go. It takes about 15 seconds to make. So people that are curious about eating more plant-based but they don't know where to start, I always tell them to start with cachava. You will get hooked because it makes you feel fantastic and it tastes good and it gives you what I call a nutrition overload. It has more nutrition in it than most people are eating in a week or a month even. It's like a meal and a pill. People take it to feel full, so it's uh, helpful if you're trying to manage your weight. I use it because it's very hard for me to eat healthy when I'm traveling or because I have a baby and it's sometimes hard to make meals for myself. So for 20% off your order and to show your support of this podcast, go to kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash weird or get yourself some alpha brain on it.com slash weird and show your support of this podcast. Thank you to our Pete's Picks, and I hope to see you guys out on the road, Cleveland, San Jose, Houston, or Phoenix, PeteHolmes.com for tickets, and do check out Huey Lewis's new, Huey Lewis in the News, excuse me, their new album, Weather, which is out now. Uh, I really loved my talk with Huey. Um, I consider him a pal now, and I hope to see him again. It was just a real treat, so let's get into it. Enjoy. Yeah, you can close the door. Yeah, that's nice. I don't know that I'm going to need this. It's up to you. Well, I was thinking that it might help with hearing issues. Well, I got my hearing aids in. Okay. So I'm pretty good. Just whatever. Because, like. I'm actually having a good day. Oh, great. Which is really weird. I have this thing that fluctuates a lot. Yeah. We're recording, so just jump in, man. Well, yeah, I have a. Now he's recording? Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of people recording right now. There's a man with a steady cam. Uh, no, it's funny because I know you're having hearing things, and and my dad has some hearing things. It's it's different. He's just very old, and well, you know. that's not so different, Pete. Well, I'm I'm old. How old are you? I'll be seventy on my next birthday. Okay, okay, that you look great. Let's go with that. Let's. <laughs> You do. You look great. I keep you telling look them that, great. Right? They can't see me, so that's just good. That's you good. look great. Don't shoot me. I'm not signing a release. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always, um, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever do it. But my dad has a hard time hearing me, and I always thought that wearing the headphones in a conversation like this is one of the reasons it's easier to focus for him. It would be and him to be able to hear me. But you're saying with a hearing aid, and it's easier to not wear the cans. Well, so it depends. Some, the bottom end resonates with me. Resonates is a sort of a medical term for distortion. Yeah. See, I, when my hearing's ba- and my hearing fluctuates, it's very weird. Episodically, it happens. F- um, I hate this. I heard you talking about it on the Today Show. Uh, I hate a disease that's like, yeah. look, they don't know what it is. That's it. They don't know what makes it goes away. It's sometimes better. It's sometimes worse. Diet might help. I hate it. You must hate it. I, I got it. frustrated for you. Well, yeah. I mean, the first, you know, at first it was. Suicidal. I mean, you is think that right? uh, it was tormenting. Well, first of all, the tinnitus was so bad. 
And I thought, oh my gosh. That's I, where you hear a sound. Yeah. What, what note were you hearing? I'm no, not trying I, to be funny. It's not a high. It's a, roar, a roar. It's a low note. So, and, and so low notes resonate. The distortion gets so bad on the bottom end. Instead of hearing boom, 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 I hear. Yikes. And so you, you can't find pitch. It's like a Greek tragedy or something. Yeah. It really is. Where it's a little too on the nose. You yeah. know what I mean? Like well, this wonderful musician. Has this great career, and then we're going to go after his hearing. It's two on the notes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, I, and even one note is out of tune with itself. And, and, and it's a really difficult thing to explain, but an a otolaryngologist explained to me that music is much harder to listen to than speech because it occurs in all frequencies, harmonics and hmm. overtones and undertones. You mean for the brain? Like yeah. The brain has and a so harder time. So it distorts, time. And, and I have a tough time picking it up but but it's it's episodic with me it'll, it'll be horrible for a week and then it'll get sort of just bad yeah for another couple of weeks but just bad is the good just bad's good that's what now i'm having a good day today wow this is good and what does that mean it means i can hear with my hear it with my hearing pieces in i can hear everything you're saying i can hear in this room i can hear all this conversation yeah. i can do everything but sing or or can i I mean, I can sing. That's funny. You're a funny I, guy. I love I that sing? you're a funny guy. It makes me happy. Huh? All through your career, you've been a funny guy, and it makes me happy. Because if you go like, and now I can't sing, you know, I'm, I wouldn't do it. It's not that kind of show. But you know, most funny people would be like, could you ever? You know what I mean? Like, that's what they would, they'd cut to this clip. Then they'd cut to the snarky <laughs> host and go like, well, Huey Lewis can't sing now, so I guess much hasn't changed. You know what I mean? And then the band plays, and they go to commercial. But you're a funny guy, and you know that's the joke, and you make it yourself. And I like that. I just want to compliment it. Well, there you go. Let's recap. You look great. Let's and go with that. Let's go with that. And yeah. you're having a good day. Yeah, and, and I'm not, I haven't given up, to be honest. I mean, uh, when my hearing is good, I can almost hear and... I'm gonna try again, but it's points moot now because if I was gonna if I was gonna do a gig, I'd have to book it three weeks at least in advance. Yeah, and I and I could. I'm, you don't know if it's a one good of day. these days. It's been a year and nine months now for me, and so I've never been longer than twenty days of this. And then it, my hearing gets so bad I can't hear. I couldn't hear you talk. Can't wow. hear the phone. Can't hear. I haven't watched TV in a year and nine months. Couldn't you do? I'm not trying to solve your problem. I'm I'm feeling your please, problem, not please. solving your problem. But you're big enough that I feel like Huey Lewis. What do they have a name? The fans, Huey Heads, News News, the Newsies. I guess well, I don't know. I don't know that we. We're don't. making it up. Don't look to them. They're not here. They're invisible eyes. They're floating. <laughs> They're floating. News fans. <laughs> I'm going to say the Newsies. Okay, <laughs> I like it. I just we're teasing <laughs> the Newsies. If you were having a good day. And you had a venue. I, I feel like you could tweet it that day and be like, I'm going to be here. I guess. A flash mob. Yeah. I mean, I, I've tried twice. I booked rehearsals when my hearing got good. Mm. Got Good. Good is a... Bad. A one to ten, it was a five or a six. Yeah. And so I've booked rehearsals, and then by the time a rehearsal came, my hearing went to crap. Wow. And so... I've done tried that twice. Got everybody there and just didn't work. So I'm I'm going to try again. But um, you know, it's how long has it been? A year, well, a year and nine months. October twenty seventh. But who's counting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is still somewhat new. I, I don't mean to. I'm not being falsely yeah, optimistic. It's been a year and a, half, it's or, or, a, year and a yeah. little bit over than a year and a half. And because they don't know what it is, it's possible that it could a million different things. It could get better. It could get go away. That's very very true. And I have 
hundreds of testimonials of people who have Meniere's disease, which is what they diagnosed me with. Don't call it Meniere's. It sounds too much like Meniere's. <laughs> I have Meniere's disease. Does Huey not know how to say he has hearing problems? Does. Does. Meniere's disease? You're right, it does. You have Meniere's disease. You're right. It does it's like stupid. Myers. It's right. so stupid. I appreciate that you smiled at that. <laughs> so, so you finish what you're saying. It's called Meniere's well, disease. Well, I have literally hundreds of letters and emails and stuff i mean the you know the empathy from our fans has been unbelievable but also from people who have been diagnosed with Meniere's disease yeah and many of them it can it can go away also it can it can actually get right better. i i guess i'm basing that on testimonials of tinnitus i know people that had tinnitus exactly and then just like it clicked on suddenly it clicked off well the tinnitus they'll tell you it has nothing to do with your ears it's it's your brain Oh really? Yeah, it's, it's not an audio thing at all. It's, it's, a, just, it's yeah. a, and so the best thing to do neurologically is just ignore it. Apparently. Has this given you any appreciation for just the fact that hearing is a miracle? You know, yeah. when it goes kind of sideways, you're like, "It's incredible that we can do this." You just met my baby. It's okay. like it's crazy that my baby can hear. Yeah. And it, sometimes when things go wonky, like I had something wrong with my eyes, and I was like. Oh shit! Like I should be really grateful. Yeah, everyone's just—you must do that all the time. These the shows are walking around listening perfectly, and you're like, you know what I would do with that? I do <laughs> yeah. exactly, and I feel. And today, even I woke up. The first thing I do in the morning, I scratch the sheet, and I can tell how my hearing is by how I scratch the sheet. Wow! And then I have um, I have these hearing, even, hearing aids, yeah. and they have four, four. They have five tones. Oh da da da. It's an F chord, mm-hmm. and I hear it. I when my hearing's really bad, I can't hear any of the tones. Mm. When my hearing's six, I can hear all five tones. And right now, I can hear all five. So I, I check wait. The, every the day. hearing aid plays an F scale, basically. Yeah. So you can test it, it's your a, hearing it, to make sure it's on. It does that it, to, when it, every time you click it on. So I, I I put I click the battery open. I keep the door open. Yeah. Put the battery in. Put it in my ear. And then close the door. So you can hear it. So you can hear the tones. You'd think they would know that people with hearing problems would want the, the little test. That's your little touchstone. Uh, that, that may be why it is. I, yeah. That may be why. Because my right ear, which is pretty much dead, I, I only hear, uh, eh. I hear the last two tones. So how did this, I'm sure you've told this before, forgive me, but I'm curious. So here we are in the <laughs> present moment, and you're saying it the only time that matters right now. How did it happen? How did you find out? Well, you know, it's a long story. I, I mean, I was diagnosed with this probably in 83. I had a gig in in in, Mass- in at the Hampton Beach Casino in in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I got so dizzy. I had vertigo. I was so ill with vertigo. That I alone. Couldn't, couldn't get out of bed. I interviewed uh, Jay Duplass, who has vertigo, and he was like, you use the word suicidal, which obviously I want to talk more about because that's heavy and I want to explore. But he said vertigo would make you suicidal. Like, oh, just no the world question. slips out from under you and everything's nuts. No, no. most people who who uh, suffer from Meniere's disease, vertigo's the main problem, right? Which is funny because it's sort of a comedy disease. I don't, I don't think it should be. But people are like, what do you got vertigo? Like, it's a funny disease right, right. for something that literally is some like a hellish. Torment. Like if somebody was like, super hell. Tell me what it's like. Well, you're so nauseous, you can't get out of bed. You throw up, and then you have until you have nothing to throw up. And then the remedy is to take a. uh, If you go to the hospital, they give you a Thorazine or a Valium, and you crash. That's what you give them for paranoid schizophrenics and uh, people on 
bad acid too. I did. I didn't know that. I did. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I only know that because I love uh, Ram Dass. I don't know who, if you know who that sure. is. Sure. But you're from the. You grew up in that time of. Yeah. You told that great story of firing your first bass player while he was on acid. Yeah. Oh, you know. That yeah. And I was like, holy shit! That it, I forgot that people were just taking acid. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of casually, like it wasn't like a big thing. It was like yeah. I had I had taken some acid. Huey called me and then he fired me. I was like, that had to be a bad trip. <laughs> oh, terrible. Although we're he, still pals. Also. I know he was in. He was. I I saw that he was in a, a documentary about you guys, and he was still listed as a friend. I was yeah, like, that's so yeah. beautiful. I don't want to take you off. So they give you Thorazine. We'll get back to oh, no. So and th- then you wake up and you're fine. But I had intense vertigo in '83 once, and then maybe five years later had another vertigo bout, mm. and then four years after that, I woke up one day and my hearing in my right ear was gone. It felt like I'd got out of the swimming pool, and it was just full, and I couldn't clear it. I hate and this. And then... Um, That's a subtle... It's a torture. I've had some ear problems, too, recently. I, mean, yeah. I went to... Uh, me and my friends went to a beach house, and we were like, let's just have ourselves a nice time. I had, Huey, a mild pain in my ear. Mild. Right. The same exact thing that you're describing. It felt like I had just gone swimming, but it was aching, and it was kind of... I could hear my own heartbeat. Right. Weekend ruined. I'm only saying that for solidarity. This is a mild pain. Mm. So I think people hear earache and you're like, eh, get over it. It's not like no. your leg's broken. No. This is the sort of stuff that is right by the control center. Mm-hmm. Your head, your eyes, your ears. Ears, nose, and throat doctors are the, the secret badasses. They're dealing with the stuff that like really can bother you. Yeah, and uh, the ENT guys are the gatekeepers. Then you get to the otolaryngologists who are the, you know, they do the cochlear implants and their surgeons and so on. What's a cochlear implant? A, a cochlear implant is, you know, for people who are born deaf, or if, if should I, if my hearing were to collapse, like it's bad and stay that way, yeah, I would contemplate a cochlear implant. Trouble with cochlear implants is you pretty much kiss music goodbye hmm. because uh, it, it people who have cochlear hear music the way I hear it when I'm when my hearing's messed up. Apparently, as far as I can figure out from what I've read, I see. But but cochlear enables you to hear. Um, there's a couple great films out. There's 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 one good fi- film that I just read called uh, just saw called Moonlight Sonata: Deafness in Three Motions, mm. uh, Three Movements, and it's brilliant about a, a kid who parents are are de- parents are deaf. It's written by their it's made by their daughter who's not deaf, but her son is deaf, mm. and so he gets cochlear implants early. And the adults had ones later. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, they, they can you can cochlear implants enable you to hear speech and and to hear things. Mm. So are they're great for people who are completely slamming? deaf. But I'm hoping that this Meniere's thing, this mystery, is going to yeah. My body's going to kind of take care of itself. Yeah. I'm Have you t- heard of this? Is again like Joe Joe or Joe? I think it's Joe Joe Dispenza. Those guys that like. He had like a car crash. This is not. I know you're in LA. Go ahead. I know you're like you feel like a salt of the earth guy, and I love it. And I would never want to sell false hope, but there are these guys. Joe Dispenza wrote some really incredible books. I'd love to have him on the podcast. So he was in a car crash where his like spine was broken in a way that they were like, "That's never going to work. You're never going to wow. walk again." And he teaches a type of meditation. It's not asking for healing. It's not. You know, God comes in or you drink this magic water. It's none of that. It's literally going in your brain and through visualization, imagining what you want to happen. So I'm not practicing what I preach because I have something called Dupuytren's contracture on my hand. So this is exactly the same sort of thing. It's, it's, they don't know what causes it. They don't know what makes it go away. You get that 
grab bag of guesses. They're like, might have to do with this or like you with salt, caffeine. We don't know. Right. This is like I've I found some obscure articles that are like alcohol. I was like, okay, I, it's one of the reasons I stopped drinking. The thing that I think if I was really if it was really messing up my life, I would try what Joe Dispenza does, which is you look at images of your hand, a healthy hand, and a hand that has we have. Might be tricky with yours because I don't know if it manifests physically. Physically, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. But go, but keep going. He basically meditated himself visually. Again, it's not spiritual because well, we're in LA. I want to be very clear. I'm not selling you uh, what's it called snake oil. This is a medical doctor who's who learned how to picture his back, and he basically envisioned it getting better meticulously I, 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 for I, I, hours I, every day. And he's fine. He's great. You read his books, if nothing else. Don't listen I, to me. I, I get that. Yeah. I, and I, I think I'm kind of doing that. Yeah, honest. really? Is that right? Well, I, I look after myself. I'm healthier than I've ever been because yeah. what else can you do, right? Yeah. And and I actually do... Uh, I've, I've tried to hold... You know, I've been to... Uh, all the Western stuff been to Hauser Institute, Stanford Institute, Mayo Clinic, uh, UCSF. Tried all these autoengrams. I've also had tried acupuncture and chiropractic sure. and uh, low salt, all organic diet, and no coffee and I mean yeah. no caffeine and no chocolate and essential oils and and living Ayurveda. And I've been to a lot of holistic stuff and supplements. Taken twenty supplements a day, right. but I'm finally down to this. I'm taking uh, resveratrol, which is a kind of a an anti-aging thing that works in mice, but it's not. Eh, we don't know. You know, it's the stuff that in red that they put in red wine that says it's good for it. And okay, all but look, but staying in shape and 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 envisioning a healthier me, right? Is, well, that's what and, they say. And trying to get my body to allowing my yeah. body to take care of itself. What is, you eat, is, what you drink, and what you think. That's so, it. what I think is interesting, and I'd like to tie this back to Huey Liu and the New, is: Do you believe in the power of visualization? You were struggling as a band for a long time. Mm. Do, do, do you feel a moment? This is a leading question. I, I really only ask leading questions. <laughs> Was there a moment as a young man where you were like, "I can see this. I'm going to do this," because you were getting booed. Yeah, I know. We won't forget to talk about the hearing. That's that's a very interesting thing. Yeah. But I'm tying it back to in your life. Sure. Have you had moments where you saw it before it was a thing? No, no question. And 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 it's everything. Uh, you know, right? Yeah, everything. I, I would lay. You know, in in the intense days. I mean, you know, there's only once where you go from zero to our little rocket ship ride. You yes, know, to the top to number one kind yeah. of thing. And it was an intense time. Yes. And the you need to to be ahead of that mentally. Right. And so you I... You have to see it first. That's exactly. something I've heard. I totally agree. Like when people are like, you're not... I mean, people in this business... I'm a comedian, so it's similar. People tell you, you are crazy. And let's be real. A lot of people that are trying to be rock stars or comedians are probably yeah. a little bit unhinged. Well, you have to be. Your odds are pretty bad. Dude, <laughs> you need to be the right amount of delusional. We say that on the show all the time. You need to get off stage after a bad gig and see the potential, not just how bad it was. No question. So you're in Europe, right? I mean, you're getting booed. There, You need to have something inside of you that goes, I can see this going better, getting better. Yeah. I, I think that's just really important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, always. And, you know, it's it's crazy. And it's uh, For me, it was like, when I first started, you know, I joined a band, and we were always trying to make ourselves, uh, what, 
uh, make ourselves attractive to the labels. Yeah, you know, yeah. trying to do what they what, what people would tell us we ought to do. Yeah, and the the magic moment for me was when I was in London and I saw the punks, and the punks for the first time were just thumbing their nose at the at the music business, doing whatever they want, and saying, "I'm just sing my own songs my own way," and dude, and be damn. And I went. Ah. I love wow, it. I love that. Don't forget that creativity is a dream, and it's what we make it. That's it. And there are all these suits, and they're, they're, and I, I say suits not too derogatory. We need them at a, at a certain point. Of course, you need people. Your wonderful manager. These these are people that know the business and are going to plug you in. But like er, your managers and agents need to remember that creativity. I like to say is a kid under the sheets with a comic book. It's like a magical, ethereal dream. And whatever you're doing, if you're doing it to be famous or you're doing to chase a trend, like get out of here. So I, I hear you completely punk rock saying, we're going to do what we want. Wow, what a, what a great thing that was for me. And, I, and I, musically, I didn't relate at all you know, to punk stuff. I'm, right. a, I'm a rhythm and blues guy and all that stuff. But, I thought, right. but that was as far away from what was popular as punk for me. Right. And I thought, great, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go Dude, back Dude, being home. a blues nerd at a prep school yeah. is kind of punk rock. I mean, yeah, like, meaning, right, like, right. it wasn't a cool thing to do. That's it's right. sort of cool it now. Is. It, it is. It, it's day. It is your day. dad was sort of in a fringe, and he taught you. I, I, I did some research. He taught you about swing and blues and jazz. Not exactly cool. And then you come in with your harmonica. Nobody was like, what a neat guy. It was probably kind of annoying. <laughs> that, that's actually true. I mean, that, that was that was the rap of our day, you know. Right. I mean, rap music was the Little Walter and, and, and oh, interesting. Sonny Boy and stuff that, you know, was just cool yeah. stuff. What I, what I was also touched with, what it sounded like you were starting to get to this, was when you put together the news, you didn't put together Huey Lewis. God did. Sorry, can you shoot me when I say that? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It was 100% a joke. God made Huey. <laughs> what I'm saying, you made the news. You were always Huey Lewis. It was a joke. I'm not that religious. Okay. You, you put together the news. It wasn't to be famous. I think that was interesting. You were in the first group. Can you talk a little bit about... And the reason is, is because I see the parallel in comedy. The people that are doing it because they want to be famous or doing it because they think they can give audiences what's on trend right now. I was very interested when you put together the group that became the news and why you did it. It, it, it seemed very pure. It was. It was just, I was, thought, the, the, the punk ethos was one of, we don't care. And I thought, what a relief, you know, uh, not, not to have to care. And yes. so I, I vowed that I would go back to my local town and surround myself with my favorite musicians and just play the clubs and just have fun, you know, and, and forget trying it. to make it all the time. I love it. The The comedians I know that are the best are the ones that are go like, the the reward? There's no award. This is something Seinfeld says. There's no awards. There's no Grammys. There's no Emmys for comedians, really. In TV, there is. But for the stand-up, other than Grammys, which nobody really talks about those. Um, the the award is doing the job, no, no and the ones that I like all say the same thing. The best thing about being a comedian is hanging out with comedians. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So you had the same thing. You were like, well, I, I like these guys. Yeah, and I always uh, and I love musicians. You know, the same way. But but I always tell people because you know, you, and I'm sure you have the same thing. People come and say, How do I break in? How do what do I do? How do I do? It? And I always say, Well, f I always say, first of all. It, it, unless it's the only thing you want to do, yeah, you better do something else, yeah, because you know the odds are against you. It needs to right? be written on so, your marrow. But if it's the only yeah. thing you want to do, yeah, then 
who can then just do do it because you want to do it, right? And hopefully you'll be successful, and because it. people enjoy it and you enjoy it. Yeah, it's. I, I always bring this up, and I'm not an expert, but stoicism. Ryan Holiday, shout out. He's always talking about in at this phase in my life. I'm really trying to do this. Do things because you enjoy doing them. Like I'm trying to enjoy this, and I am enjoying this. But what I mean is I'm trying to be here and enjoy it and not go, oh, Huey Lewis, what a get. I, people will listen to this one, and maybe they'll listen to other episodes. Like, get, no, the, get you, the fuck out of here. But, That's nonsense. But, but clearly this podcast was created with that in mind. That's you're, right. You're I in like your house for that. <laughs> I mean, you say, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to stay home yeah. and uh, interview people in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't so, always in my house, but now that it's in my house, I said to you as we walked in, I was like, anything you can do barefoot on a couch is yeah. okay with me. Perfect. It's pretty fun. But it wasn't done to to even be famous or do anything. And you can Understood. feel that when you do that. Understood. So when people say, I want to be a rock star, I mean, do, have you ever considered, like, if you went back to young Huey, if he was thinking, I'm going to be a rock star, how misguided he would have been? You right. know what I'm saying? Like... I if I I do that with myself I'm like right. if you were like okay because I had a talk show this is the backdrop for my talk show people were like how did you get a talk show no one does talk shows they don't give away talk shows and I was like that's true but I wasn't sitting around going like I was totally open to it but I wasn't like I'm gonna get a talk show I was just doing the clubs I was doing comedy and being as good as I could be and then when a talk show came up you're the you're the peg that fits the slot but if I was like okay when you're 32 you're gonna get a, or 34 you're gonna get a talk show. I would have driven myself mad. It would have been a curse. Jake Riviera, who managed, um, you know, with Dave Robinson, they started Stiff Records, and he managed Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe and some people for that. He used to always say, infiltrate, then double cross. I love it. What does he mean? Well, he means, you know, at a label or something, they'll say, well, we need you to do this, this, this. So what you have, you've got to stick true to your own vision. You know what you want. But you have to compromise along the way as to get in the door. Right. Say, oh, oh yeah, okay, sure, no problem. And then, oh, then and do the what you want to do. Oh, good idea. That's what I'll do. I'll do that great. And then just do whatever you're going to do anyway. Right. When I when we did the pilot <laughs> for Crashing, um, it's a TV show I made. Jed Apatow was the producer, and he was like, executive producer. And he was like, in a pilot, you need to kind of ha- you need to turn the volume up on the premise of the show. You need to turn the volume up on like, Things that happen, like crazier things should happen in the pilot than will ever happen again. Uh (laughs) It's like, give us a hot, spicy, like eventful, adventurous pilot that really drives the point home. And then after that, it it wasn't to bamboozle. Like HBO knows that this happened. After you prove the concept and you show you can do something fun and play ball... And then, then you can have and, the range. And it works publicly, too, once you've introduced the characters to the public. That's right. So now you have substantive stuff. And, it absolutely and, yeah. works with the audience. Yeah. You're not just trying to trick... You're not trying to trick anybody. You're trying to hook. Right, right. Uh, right. It's different. Right. You're trying to entice right, right, the network right, right. and the audience. But watch it. I, it even happens with podcasts. Uh, you know, when people start podcasts, I always tell them, be loose with your premise. Because people are always like, it's about two recipes that changed right. your life. Right. And I'm like, okay... That's fine, but just know in three years, if you're still going, the recipes are going to be like an afterthought. You're not even yeah, going to yeah, talk right, about right, the recipes. Right, right, right. That happened with Marin. Right. That happened with this. Yeah. It, it, it just, yeah. it's what's going on. So being loose. I was interested in what I think it was your second record with the news was you, you really wanted to have a lot of creative control. Right. And I'm sort of at that place in my life where I was like, next thing I do, I want to, I want to just do it my own way. How was that experience for you? Did you, 
speak to it. Well, it's very interesting because, you know, we were signed to Christmas Records and they were like English, yeah. which is kind of ironic because we were the most American of bands. I know. You sound and, like mustard and, going on. And all the, all the American labels passed. <laughs> in a great way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, and so th- we were signed to Chrysalis That's over hilarious. there. In, in, uh, and so they were 6,000 miles away. And after our first record, you know, did basically nothing. Uh, we, and we had auditioned. Did people buy it after the fact? Excuse me? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did people buy the first... Did they go back and buy the first record uh, after sports? Actually, no. It's still almost almost purely unavailable. Is that right? But, but we're gonna, I'm going to have a meeting tomorrow, and I'm going to recapture it, and we're going to remix it, and we're going to re-release what it. What fun. Yeah. Because I was like, that doesn't happen with bands that have a huge... Sports was your third record. Yeah. If that happens, when I found a band, I would go back and buy their their first album. Yeah. Well, how many bands? Imagine getting three albums to figure it out. Right. That never happens. I you. know. So this, this is very interesting because in our day, you know, it was very rare to produce yourself. It was, mm. I mean, labels, everybody had a producer, Every you know. And so after our first record, we had... We had a sort of auditioned different producers and stuff, mm. and we were and we weren't Spring Chickens. We'd been in another band before that, and I'd lived in England, made a bunch of records with Mutt Langer and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I felt like we could do it ourselves. And our manager went to bat for us, and we got to produce our, our second record ourselves, mm-hmm. um, and learn how to and and began making our own records, which is interesting because nowadays that's sort of the norm. For the you know, band, everybody, everybody the makes your own record. Right, but in those days, that, that wasn't the case. Right, and, and and it was kind of like film business is the same way. Big studios used to make films. That's right. And now, if you want to be a big star, you really pretty much got to make your own film. That's right. They want the run and gun Tarantino guy. Yeah, they don't want somebody that's just going to go like like I think of Three Amigos at the beginning of the studio pictures, where right. the studio is just telling them what to do and they own them and they don't even get paid very much like that that cliche is sort of over yeah but what was it like being the auteur was it do you do you feel like that was the right fit it sounds like it i do i mean you know we 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 began to produce ourselves in our third album sports is the one that put it i mean our second album we had do you believe in love in on it which was a hit kind of sort of a top 10 radio hit but right but the record only sold which you changed. It was. It was. You. But we both believe. We both believe in love. I love. I'm sorry to interrupt. I love like Tom Petty's uh, "Won't Back Down." Was I won't back down. Standing on the edge of the world was the first lyric. I love what they changed. That's interesting. Isn't that fun? I didn't and you know that. changed. We both believe in love. We I'm both. like no disrespect to the person who write it. It has to be like. Do you believe in love? It has to be. The word "both" doesn't belong in a hook. Well, it was, we both we both believe in love. We both believe it's ours. Oh. You really give enough. Yeah, you really make me see the stars. I'm gonna. I don't want to put this person down. For all I know, there's some legend or something. We changed it a little bit. It you is, changed it in, but 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 the fact is, it was kind of a hit that you tightened. But it wasn't a big enough hit. We only sold 250,000 copies of that album. Okay, and so that, which sounds like a lot these days, but was not those days for records. It does, yeah, yeah. So, but so then. Uh, Sports record was a do or die record, and this is let's see, we made the record in like eighty one, eighty two. So it's really interesting to remember in eighty one, eighty two, there was no internet. Yeah, there was no, well, you know, there were only no personal computers even. Hard, yeah, big computers. Yeah, there, uh, no cell phones, and and there was the format was uh, radio format was very interesting because top forty, what's called top forty, was originally uh, uh, created in. California in Fresno, a programmer in Fresno opined that when push button radios came out, 
Now suddenly, if somebody, heard, if you're listening to a radio station, and you hear something you don't like, you could push a you're button changing. and go instead so, of so therefore looking for something yeah, else. Exactly, you can flip. So his his he reckoned you need to narrow your playlist. So you play the same hits over and over again so people never go away, which is called Top 40 Radio. Whoa. And, 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 and that, that became AM Top 40. Well, then FM came as an alternative to that. But by, by 78 or 79, FM was programmed just like AM was. Bought and paid for. And the, big, the only format that made any, any business at all was... CHR, Contemporary Hit Radio, which is like top 23, really. Mm. They put like 23, 24 tunes. And the, and the first three tunes would get 10 plays a day. And the number 23 would get one or two. So we you were need. vying for all of us. That is Garth Brooks, Earth, uh, Earth Wind and Fire, or, or the Commodores, Huey Lewis and the News, yeah, all vying for those five spots on that same thing, you know, and that editorial press. So radio—that's the game. You need to do that. It. Was it? Radio was king. You needed a hit single. Right. There was no jam band. There was no internet. Right. That was it. So we were producing ourselves, and we aimed every song right at radio, and all of them were slightly different. One was a rocker. One was more of a ballad. One was more of a bluesy kind of an R&B thing. But but all all of them, because we knew we needed a hit. Yeah. We didn't know we were going to have six of them, but we needed one. And, yeah. And now when I listen back to the sports record, it sounds like a record of its time in that it's just a collection of singles. Right. You know? Right. But, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about being auteurs and being punk rock, and I love this. There's also an element of what I call playing ball. You saw the game. You were artists. Right. You were doing it because you love music. But there are these moments. They're not very sexy, I guess, or they're not very punk. Right. There are moments where you go, we love music. I heard you say this. We want to make records. We want people to come to our shows. So what is the game? I was recently at something where somebody was like, don't look at your what tweets comedians will tweet a joke which ones are popular because then you just start trying to do ones that are like the ones that were popular i'm like no you should absolutely do that yeah. that's feedback yeah and it's how it's how it's going what's so bad like my persona on stage is friendly and positive i'm not always friendly and positive right, listen right. to this podcast sometimes i'm grumpy sometimes i'm tired right. but like i realize like huey lewis it's sort of Bright. There's right. something bright about what I do on stage. That was feedback. Right. And that's how it was working. And it sort of starts to not it I, I didn't really change who I was, but I saw like Fallon and and the climate was changing. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm gonna lean into what's working. Sure. But people, there are too many comedians I know that are like, screw that, man. I'm not gonna do that. Like I'm an artist. Like I'm gonna you found the middle way of like and, and we're musicians um, yeah. speak I, to it. And, and it's important. Exactly what you're saying. You have to, you know, Mind you, the, the infiltrate and double cross, the sports thing was we needed a hit. We did hit. Boom, it hit. Mm. Boy, did it hit. And since that time, we really haven't done anything for commercial reasons. I, I made a vow to myself that infiltrate now, now that we've cross. infiltrated, yes. now we're going to double cross. That's the perfect example. Now I understand exactly and, and what that, you mean. That was, that was the deal. So we listened and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, the hardest thing for us to do as a band was to get a hit single because my my voice is not 
seventies was whoa whoa you know it was, yeah. it was silky Steve Perry and yeah. it was it was uh, all that you know that arena rock kind right. of stuff and my, big big registers yeah, lots of octaves high all tenors and up Demo. yeah yeah and, I, and I'm baritone and <laughs> yeah and I got this rough thing people think I'm black when they sing and all that so none of that was working for top forty radio right but we found a way. And yeah. and uh, and worked on it very hard. And once we'd done that, I made I made a vow. We all did. We just wouldn't do anything for commercial. Once the bills were paid, right? We're on the road. But that's your pilot. That's that's, that's exactly the crashing right. pilot. Exactly right. You made your pilot. Exactly right. People, I I, I think about this exactly too. Right. Jackson Pollock, before he was doing the spatter paint, right, was painting bowls of fruit, and they wanted to. They wanted before they could respect. Yes, I before they that. could respect him, just going nuts. They wanted to see that he could do traditional paintings to be respected in the world. So isn't that doesn't that fill a gap in your brain? It's that just like amazing. You can't, too many people in their in their figurative ways are starting with the spatter paint, and it's like start. And too many people I know started as Bill Hicks that go up on stage thinking they're Bill Hicks. Tell some jokes, write some, just like show me that you can play yeah. meat and potatoes comedy. Just do it. Just see if you can do it because yeah. it's pretty hard to master. Then go nuts. Yeah. Like, you know, in the Bill Hicks way, he wasn't nuts. I just mean, like, then start stretching Understood. it out and improvising. And, and finding your own voice and all that. Yes, but yeah, you but gotta, at the beginning, yeah. you know, crawl before Make you start Make people running. laugh, period. Yes, that's it. Because it's not that easy. No. And if you can master it, it'll help you when you start going all goofy off the rails. Agree. So I think that's beautiful. I, I It's also funny that you mentioned Sounding Black. Has, forgive me if you get this before. The American Psycho... Thing yeah, where he says Huey's too black sounding for me. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Does he say that in there? He does. It's what? Oh, really? It used to be one of my favorite. Cool. I I, <laughs> I don't I don't remember that part. And we lampooned that in in uh, a Funny or Die. You know? I did, oh, did you? I did the bit. Yeah, I, as I, Patrick Bateman. Bateman said, yeah. <laughs> it was no. really fun. Oh yeah, it's a fun thing for people that don't know. In American Psycho, it's a very to me, it's an iconic Huey Lewis moment. He yeah. plays hip to be square. And he does the commentary. But then later he's asked by the cop and he doesn't want to... Um, I don't know why he lies, but he says Huey's too black. Oh, that's... For me. Oh, interesting. That's where it is, yeah. He holds up Huey sure. Lewis and he goes, have you heard it? And he that's goes, right. Huey's too black. Too black for me. me. Too black for me. Which I was like, that's such a weird... You know, it's a funny story that... that Because I read the book. I mean, when the book came out... I read the out, book too. Well, I did, I don't, when the book came out, they said, oh my gosh, you got to read this, right? Is it? Are you in the book? Yeah. Yeah. He, I he actually... He, he just reviews... Phil Collins, Whitney Houston, and us. That's right. And, and like three-page review. That's what Brett Easton Ellis said, that he wanted the chapters that weren't violent to be boring or sort of like flat. Right. So that this is, I think this is genius, so that the reader starts wanting the violence. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Because yeah. he wants to suck you into the psyche of a murderer. So he's like, there's like six pages on face creams. Right. And then you're like, can you go kill another homeless person? Just like he does. Yeah. Like he he's so bored. Right. And that I, I actually when I saw um Joker, which I didn't like, that I don't even want to talk about it, but because <laughs> everybody's talking about it. I don't well, want to yeah. join the well, conversation. Yeah. I haven't seen it. But when if you want like a story about a deranged guy where you're not you're not sure if what you're seeing is true, he's an unreliable narrator. American Psycho. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Yeah. That to me, I'm just saying that was a little bit more fun for me. That you're like, did he kill anybody? Is anything in the movie true? Is right. it really? And in the book, I think it's even more clear right. whether or not. So you were saying you, he reviews your album. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he re- and, he, and I and I read the little review, and he, and he actually nailed it. I mean, <laughs> the guy he clearly had listened to our record. I mean, you know, I just went, wow. Well, I'm remembering the line he says, like it's a, it's like a. He's talking about nonconformity or something about like. What, what, well, see, hip to be square was if I was originally written in the third person. He used to be a renegade. It was meant to call yeah. attention to a phenomenon, you know that. David Brooks called in his book Bobos in Paradise about you know Bohemians dropping back in and oh. becoming thing and uh, and it was meant to be a f- dropping back into society dro- yeah like coming back and cutting their hair oh. getting back a job because it's hip to be square and I mean, it was supposed to be funny in the third person and I thought it'd be even funnier if I told it in my in the first person that's funny. and unfortunately a lot of people thought it was some anthem for square people you know wow which it wasn't meant to be it was meant to be but but. He got it. Brent Ellis got it. He, wow. I mean, and that's what that's what that's about. And what was interesting is they asked us, you know, to when they filmed it, would, could they use the song? And, of course, they paid us. And we said, yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, um, did you know the material when you said yeah? I did. I never, you had I'd already read, read it. some of it. And I knew yeah. the scene was going to be gory. But William Defoe and... Yeah. I said, this is clearly an art... Uh, right. artistic there's artistic merit here right let's let's rock it wasn't know? just a slasher pick sort of like the song it was trying to parody yuppies yeah and that's right that's yeah. right yeah. exactly and it so wasn't he, just it's i could see he got it the, yeah. the, the thing which so, is a shame because when people dress up as patrick bateman uh for halloween or something i've heard brett easton ellis talk about that he's oh, like they? you're not understanding yeah, like, this right. is a joke yeah. guy this is like a sad yeah. guy like yeah. it's not a cool guy no, not a cool but guy. too many bros are like i'm like him i'm like rich and i have girls and it's like he's a murderer and he's miserable <laughs> and he's like the most lonely person in the world yeah, yeah. so it, it is a parody just sort of like your song was sort of a parody. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's it. Surprise me that you responded to the material. No, it's fine. Uh, the only thing that was I was not fine with was on the eve of the release of the film. Let's see, like a week before the film's going to be released, they go to us and say we'd like to do a soundtrack album. Oh. And I said, really? My manager called me. I said, what? That's what's that going to look like? He said, well, it's going to have hip to be square, and I think there was a Phil Collins song. Yeah, and, and then source the studio, I believe. I can't remember. Sort, I'm and then sure. Source music for the most part. So it wasn't a very good album. You know, it wouldn't be a very good album. I said, well, that's not really fair for fans to have to buy it for one track, is it? Yeah, yeah. Do we have to do a soundtrack album? He says, no, no, no. It's not part of the deal. Right. I said, okay, we'll politely decline, which we did. Yeah. And so now, the day before they premiere the film, they issued a press release everywhere that said that Huey Lewis had pulled his tune from the soundtrack because it was too violent of a film. And That's it, hilarious. That was not true, but, but they were... Sort of That's gin- like when Chappelle gin- said gin- they asked him to be in the R. Kelly thing, and he goes, it's too hot for TV. And he's like, I didn't say it's yeah, too right, hot for right, TV. Right, 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 right. I said I didn't want to be in your documentary. Yeah, right, 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 right. That is hilarious. Well, that's, you know, it's publicity department's work. That, but I mean, back... This is pre-Garden State. Garden State sort of changed uh, movie, movie picture soundtracks. Back then, it was like one song... I've done this joke before, but it's like you'd buy the Jurassic Park themes uh, soundtrack. Yeah. Track one would be na 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 na. Track two would be na 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 You're just buy, and Three then hip ways. to be square, and then yeah. you're like, why did I just spend thirteen dollars uh, or seventeen dollars well, on hip to be the, square? And, and, and even worse, Back to the Future. Yeah, the the soundtrack album on MCA 
with Power Love sold 500,000 copies. Wow. The the next film that was only on the soundtrack. The next film track that that track I mean was only on the soundtrack. Uh, 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 Power Love, the only place you can buy Power Love on a on a vinyl record is on was on the the uh, Back to the Future soundtrack, album. Wow. and it sold two hundred fifty uh, five hundred thousand copies. Wow! Meanwhile, the next movie wow. soundtrack album I think was Flashdance uh-huh. or Dirty Dance. The next two were Flashdance and Dirty Dancing, which did like eleven to thirteen million million copies each. Wow! So they hadn't figured that out yet. I Whoa! Mean, all they needed to do was put another cu- few couple songs on there, and right. make a good record, and boom. Well, that's that's Garden State. It's it's ten out of ten tracks are are hit singles, and it Bingo. sold like it went platinum. Bingo! I don't know why it took us so long to know Figure that people that didn't want. Na, na, na. <laughs> Who is buying this? What am I reading? Who's this? that supposed to cheer up? Yes, <laughs> and then I have to wade through all these Ira Newborn. <laughs> no disrespect to Ira Newborn. I just wanted to show that I knew who wrote the soundtrack to Ace Ventura. Because yes, I bought it. <laughs> Ira Newborn. <laughs> Not a good soundtrack. <laughs> it's like filler tracks. It's like they yeah. can't pay for a real song, right. so they'd write like a right. fake rock song. And now I'm listening to it in the car. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, right, right. I didn't know about the, and I'm sure you get this all the time. And this is not a morning radio show, so it's not. Huey, what with Ghostbusters though? I was listening to Ghostbusters. I didn't know. I I've, I've followed your music, and I'm aware of pop culture. I didn't know about the. I want a mashup of Ghostbusters and. Uh, I want a new drug. It's it. It is basically the same song. Couldn't we overlap them? Has anyone done this? I'd love to tell you the whole story, but I can't. I've been forbidden to yeah, tell, talk know. about it. Last I talked about this ten year, years after the fact and got sued by it and had to buy off the, the no shit. Suit. What's the yeah. statute of limitations on? That's a good question. Someone it, stole bus really to make me feel good. Story. Yeah, but I can't talk about it. You know, I understand. I, Colin Hay did this podcast, and I prided myself on not bringing up the lawsuit. People love lawsuits. It was just interesting. But, I mean, they did ultimately pay for it. I'm speaking now. Yeah. They can't sue me. They, they settled out of court, which means somebody came up with a number that you were okay with, which means, you know. And I get half of the publishing, too. Oh, do you really? Man, that is just a huge loss. See, the reason I bring it up is you people should know that you kind of... I'm speaking now. No one sue Huey. Suey knew us in the news. Don't sue him. I'm saying you wrote that song, basically. <laughs> you can sit there, plausible deniability, but you that means you wrote two of the best soundtrack songs of all time, essentially. I, I probably can say this. At We Are The World... Michael Jackson, who stood right next to me, said that exact same thing. To it, me. Did he really? Mm-hmm. No shit. <laughs> that is incredible. What was it like working with him or hanging out oh, with him? Oh, fantastic, man. He he didn't miss a trick. Really? I mean, interestingly, you mean a big businessman? No, no. I mean musically. Oh. We, we were we were in a in a semi. You know, we sang. Um, first, they did the chorus. You know, it was started all night. It was after the American Music Awards. Uh, and then we all went to the studio over there at A uh, and M. I remember the video. Michael had his own room. Yeah, he didn't little, he? Where he was, yeah. He had his own area. You guys were all ensemble. Well, no, it was pretty much. We were. I mean, all they let into the studio were the performers. You know, wow. There was no guests, no nothing. Just, just us. Yeah. For, and I think it started about 
eight at night because I think the American Music Awards were at six. Probably started at nine. Oh, they tried to do it when everybody would be in town anyway. Yeah. That's so smart. after the American Music Awards at nine o'clock, we met over there. And then the first thing we did was the chorus. What's the parking situation? <laughs> What's the We who? valeting? What? Are you, did you, what is the parking situation well, when every star in the world is going to the same studio? <laughs> well, we just had limousines. We just can't. Ah, yep, that's very 80s. There's no parking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, if uh, I directed the video, the video would have started with the limos. I want to see everyone getting out of the limos. It was an amazing night, man. I mean, it was you know just an amazing night. But at, So we do the chorus, which is um, all of us up on the, on the bed. And then that's, we don't finish that till like... And then we take breaks every so often. So we're, f- we're finished like about five in the morning. Wow. And now we do the lead lines. And so... Wait, at... Oh, wow. And the lead lines were all of us in a semicircle. It was uh, Lionel and Stevie and, you know, and, and uh, 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 Paul Simon and Kenny Rogers and, you know, and Bruce Springsteen and uh, et cetera. Wow. Al Jarreau and... Etc. All the way, okay. right? And so, and they had Cindy Lauper, Cindy Lauper, yeah. me, me uh, 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 Steve Perry, uh, Daryl Hall. Um, no oats. Uh, no, Daryl. Let's see, who am I forgetting? <laughs> I'm forgetting some people, but whatever. Uh, um, uh, but what's interesting about it is that there were maybe four microphones and 12 of us. I'm ma- kind of making it up, but it's close. Yeah. So everybody would lean in on the microphone and they wanted, they wanted to do a, a live pass because they didn't want to have to punch in yeah. because they want to keep the ambience the same and yep. engineering wise. You don't so want that subtle. Yeah. When it, you know, yeah. when you hear yeah. that on yeah. a record, yeah. like yeah. suddenly Huey comes in and you just hear, <laughs> and then you're, I don't know if other people are noticing this, but if you listen to certain records, you go like, oh, they just brought the bass in because yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You hear the room tone that was in the room with the bass player. So that's well, smart. Well, they were being real careful about that. So they they start the pass and, you know, here comes the time when we eat a certain call and they go through the through it. And then Stevie messes up. The people dying. They love it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Stop. And so now we go back to the, they start again. And they go all the way down. Back to now, one. Now they get to Al Jarreau, and he kind of messes up, and they <laughs> and they start back again. Well, meanwhile, I'm over here on the end with Michael, and and I haven't even had a shot at my line yet. You know, these guys, Stevie Wonder's got three three tries already. Yeah. So now they come out to fix the mic. They go, "Hey, Humberto, could you just even if somebody screws up, can you go all the way through so we can just rehearse our line one time?" Oh, that's he goes, good. He goes, "Yeah, no problem." He goes back in. Michael says, "Good idea." Michael says to me, "You know, yeah, said, yeah dude." Cool. And then he goes, "So now, he goes, you now can have we, my glove. We, we do a pass, and it's okay, but somebody messes up, and now we do a second pass." All the way around, and it's good. Yeah, it's really good. I think pretty much for everybody. And then right when it's over, Quincy goes, "All right, let's do another one," and goes into the third. And Michael grabs me in the sleeve. He says, and I see him. I see him say to Humberto through the glass, "Save that one," you know. And so that take. now Michael comes to me. He goes, uh, 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 first Quincy says, "Let's do another one," and Michael says, "They're going to save that one, aren't they?" I said, "Yeah, they're going to save that one." He goes. That's the one. I said, yeah, it was the one. And it was. You know, yes! It was, but, but Michael was very, it was, it was a treat, man. I mean, he's. That's got to he, feel good. He didn't miss, he didn't miss much. Yeah. You know. I mean, with all those, and you worked with Bruce Springsteen. I saw you guys on stage yeah, together. Yeah. I mean, it, he's this a is, wonderful guy. Bruce Springsteen is a wonderful guy. 
I always, what were they eating? What is Michael Jackson and Bruce Springsteen eating? Jeez, that's a good question. They just grab an egg McMuffins. I can't. The King of Pop cannot be eating an Egg McMuffin. These were the 80s? Yeah. Not a lot of eating going on. (laughs) People doing some... You catch my drift. I think people have been honest about their blow use. Is that what was happening? (laughs) Well, it's 5 a.m. and you guys... There's definitely some of that going on. Dude, where was I? I was backstage with... uh, This is actually a while ago, but me and John Mulaney were backstage like talking about supplements. And I was like... What happened? <laughs> I, I like I like how we are now. We're talking about ginseng. Way, way or we're, I'm, I'm using a vocal steamer before shows. You guys were... It was a different time. It was a different time. But We Are the World was pretty coked up. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. Not, I was, no. I'm, <laughs> I think... This isn't uh, a got you show. I have no evidence of that. Yeah. And... Plead <laughs> the fifth. Huh? Take the fifth on that deal. But those were the days, you know. It was the sort of time when people would just give it to you. I mean, this is you were yeah. a rock star at the time. And what a waste cocaine was, right? What a wasted, what a terrible drug. Could have been so much better. Well, it is extinguished. What do you mean? You want a new drug is what you're saying? Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, that's the genesis of that song. Because that had such a oh, nasty I woke up in the side. morning and wrote that song. You know? Really? Yeah. Really? So you did, this is not a gotcha show. I want to talk about what you want to talk about. But I am interested, especially because it sounds like you came out the other side and was like, that was stupid. What was it like? What was the first time someone gave you cocaine or that you even saw cocaine? The first time, I don't remember, but it's definitely music music related, right? That was how we, the world, I mean, that was it. It Before Huey, is this when you were, what was the band Before Huey? Yeah, yeah, it was, well, Clover in in London, it was Sulfate. Because that was cheap. Speed. The stuff that keeps was just hot dogs fresh? <laughs> no, speed. <laughs> oh, speed. It's called sulfate. Yeah. It was horrible stuff. It burned your nose and just made you terrible. Right. But uh, but I, I guess first, I can't remember the first time I tried cocaine, but um, I, I was I, it was never a great drug for me, but that didn't mean I didn't do it every day. You just, uh, I'm going to keep <laughs> trying. <laughs> it just was, uh, it was just what was, what was going, but it, right. you know, it was a big mistake. I mean, but it didn't grab you. Different right chemistries are grabbed. I worked with Artie Lang, and Artie would be the first to tell you that 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 got in him, and he wished right. he, he used to tell me he wishes he could go back and tackle himself before he did it the first time. Yeah, and I, I see that happen with people with alcohol, and I, I even with uh, I'm not trying to be funny. I know people that the first time my friend Dwight Slade, who did this podcast, he said the first time he had espresso. He felt his brain do something that, like, brains just shouldn't do. Right. That's what Craig Ferguson said about alcohol. He was like, if there's something that when you drink it, you you feel perfect, he's like, nothing outside of you should make you feel absolutely perfect. And that's that's how he identified the addiction uh, himself. So leading that to you, you're doing a very addictive drug, but it didn't get its hook in you in a horrible right. way. I, I, well, I, I don't know why. It just it made me uncomfortable, and I didn't enjoy it. But what? But you know, it was part of the life. It was part of the deal, and it took me a long time to figure that out. Right? Was that something before shows? I mean, you were a high no, energy. No, never, act. never do it before the show. We never. I never. Richard would, Lewis had that drug. He did coke before I've he did stand up. Never did cocaine until thirty seconds after I got. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting because one of the reasons um, drugs and alcohol are a problem, and what I do is that what we do feels like cocaine. I've never done cocaine. Right. But I just said to somebody, I was like, if it feels like how a good stand-up show feels, 
I understand why people get addicted to it. Yeah. There's something you can snort that makes you feel that elation. Well, uh, ironically, it's just like the textbook says. You have 15 minute high followed by a two hour bring down. Yeah. And it's just it's just not it's not a very good drug. And then the next day is there depression because you used all your joy chemicals? Is that Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, what happens is then of course you you, you know you, you who, who said it best? Thomas Jefferson K who wrote Hey, little girl in the high school sweater. Uh-huh. I remember when I was a man called Clover, and we were flirting with him. He was producing some stuff on us, and it was those are the cocaine days. And he said, he said it perfectly. He said it perfectly. He said, cocaine makes a new man out of you. He says the only trouble is the new man wants a hit. <laughs> <laughs> that you chase it the rest of the day or That's the it. rest of the night, and then you're dead because you can't ever feel good. You know, right, right. But did you? It's kind of like getting a tooth. Getting your tooth worked on. You know, that's procaine. Same thing. Yeah. Numbs your mouth when you get your tooth worked on. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Same thing, kind of. Wow. But the, and it's not re- revelatory at all. It's not like LSD at all. Right. It's not. There's nothing to be learned from it. That's it's just, funny that you say it, that. It's 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 just it's kind of a useless drug. I think I've talked about <laughs> psychedelics before and been like the epiphanies you have on psychedelics. What's great about it is when you come back down are still valid. Yeah. Like you'll have like a new appreciation for the fact that we're floating on a space rock in infinity, and then you'll come back and you'll be like, No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, my mother used to say. My mother was a was a hippie. My mom was a psychedelic gal and psychonaut. Yeah, you know, one of the first Grateful Deadheads. Pals with the Dead. Pals. Really? With Danny Rifkin, the manager, and lived in Bolinas. And yeah, she was. A, she followed them the around, first. and and she always used to say LSD changed the world. And I said, I used to argue with her. I said, No, it didn't, Mom. LSD did not change the world. But it definitely changed the music business. <laughs> you can see, I'm sort of, uh, I, I maybe romanticize the 60s. I, I already mentioned how I love Ram Dass. And yeah. I do see a collective shift in the consciousness. The Beatles and Ram Dass would also tell you, hate Ashbury, when people just started having the, the psychedelic, like a bathtub filled with LSD and just partying. That wasn't necessarily the best expression of it. It became a party oh, thing. But I did see some the interest in Eastern philosophy and the interest in consciousness and the and just That's like a, what is going on here did seem sparked by it, wouldn't you say? Exactly. Your mom was kind of right. Yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, Jerry Garcia used to say, I, you know, and he was Jerry was was an amazing guy. He was super bright and mm. and he was really the mouthpiece of of uh, that whole San Francisco scene. And when when it first happened. And, you know, the New York Times came running out to what's going on here and all this mm-hmm, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Jerry is the one who articulated it. And he said, it's not really you need about drugs. You huh? need the lawyer. You need the guy that can yeah, be well, like. He was brilliant. He yeah. said, it's not really about drugs. It's about rampant intellectualism. Yeah. And that's really what it was. If, if, you, if Anybody, if you were in, it was complete open-mindedness. Yeah. If you, it didn't matter what you were into. If there was somebody who was into something, he would, he, we would give him the time of day and listen to him. And that's that, right. That's interesting. That, it was, it was kind of neat. Uh, um, Tim Leary said that LSD was like swallowing 9,000 Encyclopedia Britannicas. Yeah, yeah. Because it does have its own intelligence to it. Uh, And it's sort of, what I think is interesting about it, it doesn't tell you new things as much as it shows you that by which you know anything. Right. Like it manipulates consciousness itself and makes you aware of the mechanism 
with which you are seeing, hearing, or learning. Right. So you're learning about learning itself. You're learning, like, we all go around and we're walking and we're wearing pants and we're doing podcasts, but LSD makes you go, and then it goes, what are you looking with? Right. That's what I think is revelatory. About. Yeah, and it, it, it makes you... What what is it? It it it, uh, it makes transparent your 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 thought process yes. and all the stuff you can. What is thinking? Very transparent. That's right. And what is thinking? Yeah. You're like <laughs> what is like I I have a joke I do on stage that it doesn't really work because usually people aren't at that place where they want to talk about this. I think, but I say like when you sing a song in your head, how are you hearing that? That is, that is the biggest question I think yeah. you can have. Is how are you hearing? That's the question of consciousness sure, itself. Sure. And I, the punchline, I say, sing happy birthday. And I go, how are you hearing that? And usually people don't laugh or even respond. And I go, why do you have to be stoned for that to be interesting? Because if you are stoned, like I had that thought on my porch, which you just walked back. I don't smoke a lot of weed, but I was smoking some weed. And I was, I really almost got paranoid because I was like, how am I hearing the voice in my head? No. Yeah. But that is, I think it's the most important question in all of space-time is how are we aware and what is and, it? And introspection, right? I mean, that, it, it invites introspection. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so what was the first time you did LSD? Uh, it was over at Scott Dill's house. <laughs> I remember. and we listened <laughs> Is he to in the, the band? I'm sorry. No, no. He was just a friend. And we listened to the Doors album. Oh, my God. I didn't. I had no idea the doors were talking directly to me. That, but but apparently, <laughs> apparently the doors wrote that record. The for doors me. of perception. Yeah, the doors of perception. That's what, yeah. And then we hitchhiked to Sausalito for some kind of a concert, and we just laughed ourselves. We just laughed, laughed, laughed. Couldn't stop laughing. You get the joke <laughs> of every everything is very funny, or maybe you get that there isn't a joke. I don't know what's going on, but I, I know that type of laughter. Yeah. I just remember being completely open-minded to everything. Everything was a, everything was interesting. Yeah, everything was interesting. Well, that's what it is. It, to me, whether it's meditation or spirituality or LSD, LSD sort of gives you a crash course in that. But not to be too religious, I hope it doesn't make you uncomfortable. But when Jesus says, "Don't judge," Eckhart Tolle says a better interpretation of that would be, "Don't label." So what you're doing when you turn reality into objects so you can think about them is you strip reality of its shimmer and when you're on lsd you stop labeling that's true and you just experience right. everything as one thing that's right so a huey lewis concert or the dust bunnies in the corner of your bedroom yeah. everything is the phenomenon that it actually is and it it earns the fascination that your brain in its in its genius your brain is constantly prioritizing yeah, the, what's important, it, what's not important. It kills the editor in your head. That's right. There's no more editor. And that's freedom. And that's why uh, the people, the, the mystics that I enjoy are all the ones that go like, whatever's happening. It's the Buddhist idea of non-resistance. Sure. A delayed flight is filled with as much majesty as getting where you're going. And that's what they seem to understand. Mm -hmm. And that's what psychedelics can give you, like a little glimpse into that right. liberation. Mind you, I, I think you learn that from one one or two psychedelic experiences. I don't think you have to take LSD a hundred times. I to completely that. agree. That's I, I've said this a million times, but Alan Watts said, after you get the message, hang up the phone. Sure. So you don't have to keep going back. My wife, Valerie, had a bad experience uh, with some some chemicals like this. And I was like, you're fine. You don't have to keep going no, that's right. 
after you've been in the room, you you've don't learned, have to keep you've going. Learned, you've learned that. You, literally, you have the neural pathway going like, I, rem- I can remember. You can remember. You just did what it was like listening to the doors yeah. and not judging the world. And, and, and when you have that fra- point of reference, you can go back. Right. And you, and you know that, that even today, that, all, that, all that's still going on. That's right. It's just being edited, and you can choose it if you want. That's right. If you right. want to choose it, you want you just move the editor over here. And that's say, right. I'll choose that. And that's what I try to remember when I'm in a bad mood or I'm tired and life doesn't seem magical and I can't get in touch with right. wonder and I don't feel any mystery. I go, who cares? Get over yourself. Yeah, right. My ability to pick up the song, I'm the radio, it's the song, doesn't mean the song isn't in the air. I, my antenna's just fucked up today because right, right, I'm right. grouchy. Right. It's still there. That was something I wrote in my book. I said, the reality of the divine or the mystery is not contingent on my mood. Yet so many of us, we, you have a bad day and you go like, well, everything sucks because my experience says it sucks, so it sucks. We need to get over ourselves. Right. And even in those moments where you don't feel it, know that it's still there. Right, right, right. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I know. I love I get that. real it's excited. Good. It's good. It's all good. I feel like Jeff Bridges could play you in a movie. Is that, <laughs> is that something? Good. Jeff Bridges could play anybody. You know? He's a- yeah, but you got that Bridges voice. That's actually yep, yep. funny, because <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Jeff Bridges. Actually, I like yeah. his, his uh, what was it, Wild Heart? Yeah, Crazy which, Heart. Crazy Heart, which is my Steve Bruton story, right? Do you know who Steve Bruton mm-hmm. is? No. Well, Steve Bruton was a guitar player, really good friend of my keyboard player, and he wrote, I think he wrote Crazy Heart, okay, a song. And it's roughly his story in a way. He he had he, he contracted cancer and died, but he was really good pals with T Bone Burnett. They kind of grew up together, mm. um, Steve Bruton and, and them in Texas. And Bruton was a wonderful musicologist, knew all kinds of stuff, and 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 loosely crazy. Uh, when he was contracted cancer and was not well, um, uh, T Bone I think collected him and looked after him and then they began to write that movie oh wow and uh, and uh then he died before the movie came out but uh, oh, no. uh steve bruton had a lot to do with that that film and that's interesting and, and i think he's he was sort of the inspiration for that character i wonder if you can relate to this i get frustrated with movies like crazy heart and the wrestler where there's an alcoholic and then, you know, the third act complication is always they drink. Like in, in Crazy Heart, he goes to the bar and he loses the kid because right. he's drinking. Right. But when they start drinking, the problem solver in my mind goes, stop! Yeah. <laughs> like it, and it happens in The Wrestler, too. He gets drunk and, or fucked up and you're like, you're going to forget! Like you, as soon as he tells his kid he's going to be at their recital, I'm like, he's not going to be there. Yeah. Because unfortunately, addiction is so cliche. Like it, it leads to moments like right. that. Over and over and over. Well, it, 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 you know, and it, it's probably more cinematographic that way, too. I mean, you know, it's like right. some guy ends up being a... I mean, you, you, I mean, you look at the, Jerry Garcia as an interesting example. I mean, you know, Jerry is no longer with us. Do we wish he was with us? Yeah. But what if he was, you know, a yuppie? Would right. We, would we want him? I've heard that same thing with Kurt Cobain. It's like if Kurt Cobain yeah. was still around yeah. and he put out some... Terrible limp album. Yeah, what, you know, <laughs> like there is something about the flare out, and, 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 and I mean, you can say what you want, but, but most people don't have. They live to be a hundred years old. They don't have that kind of impact, right? So there's something about those early records. Yeah, 
a special time in their lives. Of course, we do want that. I, I want to be on the record and say, of course, we wish they were still around. Of course. Of yeah, course. I'm, yeah. I'm are, just, you, are you a sober person now? Or what do you, what's your... Yeah, no, I'm pretty... No, I'm no. not sober. I drink, I drink, but I'm not a f- fanatic about anything. Tequila? You feel tequila? No, I, I, like, I like a Negroni. <laughs> Every now and then. What's a Negroni? A Negroni is a... Oh, it's uh, Italian... Yeah, it's a... Lemon? Campari, sweet vermouth, Uh, and and gin. Okay. Nobody's getting too fucked up on Negronis. (laughs) Nobody's going to have 19. You can. You can. (laughs) No, I just mean like, it sounds like people that are like serious drinkers are like, I drank vodka from the freezer. If you're having Negronis, hopefully that's putting some breaks. It's building some breaks. I I don't have a drinking problem. I I don't have... I don't have... yeah. yeah. And you live in Montana. I live in Montana most of the year. I Which escape is... in the wintertime to San Diego. Okay. Uh, now and then. But I mainly live in Montana. Which it's, I said to Val, I was doing my research on you, and I was like, he lives in Montana. And she <laughs> lit up because Val and I are always playing the game of like, should you get out? We don't want to. We, we love L.A., but there's a part of us that's like, are we supposed to get out? And my go-to fake example is, should we just go to Montana? You did. More cheese, less rats. More cheese, less rats. Tell That's, me everything. They, they say, why are you in Montana? I always say, more cheese, less rats. Um, There's just more of the good stuff and fewer people going for it? Yeah. She, yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I'm born and raised in Northern California. So I that's not quite true. I was born in New York City, raised in, in California. And I mean, and I go, come back every a lot, every few months, but I live in Montana. And I go back, and it's, Every time I come back, it the, it's exponentially busier than it was before. Mm. I mean, it really is getting crowded. It is. And every city's that way. I was Ooh. just in Chicago. Talk to the driver. I don't care if you're in Chicago, if you're in Austin, if you're in Seattle. It doesn't matter. They'll all tell you the same thing. Traffic's crazy. Condos are everywhere because there's an influx of new people. And I'm like, who are these people? Man is the invasive species. That's right. We're the virus. We really are. We spread. I mean, we're choking off the planet. Yeah. We reproduce. Too damn many of us. There's no question about it. And Montana is literally where I. It's where Letterman used to go in the off season. Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. Oh yeah. You go. He's in Shoto. He's he's way up north in middle of nowhere. And so this is always the question. You go to Montana. Uh, Val and I will be like, well, then we can't like walk to coffee, and we can't. Go walk to the movies and stuff. You're there. Just tell me, were you able to go from Stadium Rock to Montana? And I know you're still touring or, or planning yeah. tours and stuff, but it, can you do it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, Without too many Negronis in well, the morning? No, no, no. The thing is, it's not as if you got to be in, you know, 365 days, 24-7. Right. You can travel a little bit. Yeah. It's just we, six months of the year, there's no better place on the planet. I mean, in July and August, phew, it's the best place in the world because it's 80 degrees. Yeah. It's not 105. There's no humidity. It's gorgeous. What are, you, what are we doing? We're fishing. Yeah. We're Fly hiking. fishing? Fly fishing. Like I, crazy. I heard that's very meditative. Jimmy Kimmel did the show and he said, you're putting the thing on the lure and then next thing you know, it's, it's 8 o'clock. <laughs> it's like right. the whole day goes by so it's fast. It's completely uh, consuming. You yeah. shut off your brain. Yeah. Well, well no, you, you concentrate on this. Right. Uh, you I, shut off I, your critical I, brain. I, you know, you talk about spiritualism and all that. I'm not conventionally religious, mm-hmm. but I am spiritual. I, I think there's, I, I absolutely think there's something going on out there. I just don't think that, you know, Father McClanahan, Rabbi Rabinowitz, or Iman, uh, 
Habib know necessarily know what it is. Right. So, and, and, and but when I'm outside and I fish or or you know hike or ride my horse outside, I feel smaller and a part of something that way. That's it. And, and the thing that fishing does for me, uh, fly fishing, is it enables because you have to outsmart this fish. Fly fishing, and I'm a dry fly snob, so I only fish with dry flies, which is a little more tougher. You don't catch as many fish that way. But what does but, it mean? What's a wet fly? Well, wet fly goes underneath the water. Oh, and fish. Oh, you're really you're really I'm mimicking a, a fly. I'm a, I'm a little snob. I'm you're, a snob. You're like flies don't go in the water. Flies dance on yeah, top well, of the water. Fly is a is a kind of a generic term for bugs that you put on right. the end of a line right so sure some of them are be- like a beetle is a fly an ant could be is a, fl- is a fly it's a tiny hook but there's other stuff so but but I, the reason i like that to fish i th- I've, I've now come to realize is that because i have to outsmart this fish it helps me connect with nature you mother th- nature you're thinking about how a, a fish thinks in it, exactly even that goes back to me on my porch stone going a fish thinks yeah so tuning into the consciousness of a fish yeah. is exactly. a very deep spiritual practice yeah. i would have to say yeah absolutely yeah so at ryan holiday who fact, already came, kimmel is yeah. first fly fished at my house no that's shit how, that's how jimmy got into fly fish no kidding you taught him how? Well, he loves. No, it. I didn't teach him. He, he he took a lesson here before he came to my place. I invited him, and he came up and fished. And he's been up several times, and he loves to fish. He, you know, and he, he brings his whole group of guys. And and interestingly, fly fishing that it, sounds like Jimmy is not easy. Yeah, it's a process. You got to learn it. It's, it's a skill, and you and you got to learn to cast. And um, a lot of people just want to kind of check it off the box. Like fly fishing, done it been there done that like know? golf too it's but, like yeah, yeah golf. it's thing. like have you ever actually golfed right, have right. you ever yeah, right. merged with the course <laughs> no i golf you had nine martinis yeah, and right. hit a driver into the woods that's not golf yeah no but but kimmel and his pal he's a real fisherman i mean yeah. a real fisherman no i believe it yeah. um what's your horse's name uh well i have mox timmy little annie and uh sierra beautiful this is it you're doing it yeah you're doing it that's oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, we were on those. We rode. We rode day before yesterday. Right. Well, I was going to say it was Ryan Holiday says the first thing he lives in Austin. He's an author. He was telling me the first thing he does is he goes for a walk in the woods uh, every morning before he checks his phone or anything. There's a walk with his son in the woods, and he goes. The main feature of that is to remember that you're small. So that's what you were saying. That's exactly right. That's just right. That's so. That's exactly the way I think. Is you feel smaller and a part of something. And, and you feel like, hey, if 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 this, if I got to meet my maker, this is where I want to meet my maker. That's right? right. That's right. And you're sort of seeing your maker. Yes, exactly. You're feeling a part of the exactly. maker. Instead of what we're always doing, the more individualized we become, the more externalized God becomes. Very but good. the more you wake up into the oneness of everything, which is standing in water. I sorry, the last time I did LSD, I was <laughs> I was actually in the water, and I was I haven't told the story. And there were fish everywhere. We we had been there for a while. What kind of fish? Just the most fucking beautiful fucking fish you've ever seen. Just wow. like uh, the color of a highlighter, tropical. and then like a perfect black fish and tropical. Absolutely. So I, I spotted it, and I was like, I'm going to do LSD here, <laughs> and I did. And I sat in the water, so I was half in, half out, 
And I would feel, I, I know you can remember what it feels like to be in that place where everything makes sense, but capital S sense. So this is only going to make lowercase s sense for us today. But I was sitting in the water and then the, the breeze would go by and I would feel the breeze first. And then I would see the fish move to the same breeze because the water, which is connected, you know, inseparably to the air moved as well do you understand they were blown by the same breeze we think of the air and the water as being different things and in that moment i was like we're all just fucking fish i'm in the water that we call air they're in the water we call water but it's not separate the wind moved they moved my hair's moving i'm half in i'm half out it was revelatory it was i get it i get it that's cool and i have to imagine that's how you're feeling absolutely fishing yeah no, that that's it. You feel a part of connected. That connected. The the I, I gotta say it again. The more we're just so self centered and like even going like, what does God think of me? Am I an okay guy? Get over yourself. Right. It's not. We 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 made it such a narcissistic pursuit. If I can be good and convince God who's somewhere else, he's not in the mountains, he's not in the water, he's not right here. He's somewhere else taking notes like a turrent officer going like, well, Huey said motherfucker on yeah, that podcast. Yeah. What a bad well, boy. That, that's, Get that, over yourself. You're a part of and, everything. You know, and that's interesting. I mean, when you think about and now you talk about God and religion and so on. I mean, there's a zillion religions in the world, but there's only three, I think, that believe in one supreme being who did everything. The monotheistic and, one. And, yep. that, and that's Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Yeah. And that's where all the problems are. I mean, you know, when was the last time there was a Sufi uprising? I, I can't. You know, I don't know. When did the Zen Buddhists, you know. Uh, Dude, you're right. The Zen Buddhists have less to protect. I can speak more to that because they don't have a god. They don't have something that. Well, it's within. Right, right exactly. And it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's nowhere. They'll really, as soon as you say it's everywhere, they'll trick you and be like, and oh, it's nowhere. Oh, and you're like, okay. Because <laughs> they love the void, which is just another word for everything. It's everything. just another word yeah. for all of it, even beyond the concept of being. But you're right. The less but, but symbols the that we have to saying, defend. God is not necessarily a narcissistic, narcissistic God. And, Dude, and, 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 the, and the Which is why the Christ- West doesn't like it. Yeah. We want something to fight for. Yeah. We want. Clicking back the hammer on a silver gun going, what do you say about my God? That's what we want. Yeah, yeah. We want the fight. We want to prove like a toxic, romantic relationship that you think only exists when you're and fighting. Why is that? Why? Because we're fucked up and, and it could have been our parents loved us too much or not enough. But there's this collective hurt that keeps spilling into everything we do. Right. And even when we think we're talking about ultimate reality and, and timeless truth, our psychology bleeds into it like an oil spill and we're too blind to see it. Yeah. That our, the God that I see is the God you're standing in when you're fishing. Yeah. It loves diversity. It rains on weeds and thorns and flowers, and there's millions of different varieties of everything, and they're loved and valid equally. But the God we make is a bully at a nightclub that says, I'm sorry, wrong hat. Yeah, right. What exactly. the yeah. fuck? Yeah. No, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, you know, people, that's the problem. That's people, it. People get in the way. You're, the, you're your biggest enemy. Yeah. That, there, I just heard a Native American, I'm going to butcher it, but it's a Native American prayer about the great spirit. Please give me strength, not that I might best my brother, but that I would defeat my greatest enemy myself. That, that's it. Yeah. It's so hard to extricate yourself from your own daddy issues or your own societal inheritance of mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. and actually get a glimpse at 
real timeless truth. Right, but right. Th- that's why all the great mystics will say, we don't know anything. That's the f- perfect place to start is we don't I know agree. what we're doing. I totally agree. The first research is to just be quiet that's and, and, and open to... And, and Huey! Just uh, allow, be receptive. Be For receptive. what it's worth... This guy, this this massive molecules thinks that massive molecules is right on the money. <laughs> Humility and patience That's is it. what Richard Rohr says. We want to know. I'm preaching now. We want to know, and we want to know that we know. That's an ego trip. Yeah, I feel I, your I mother. Totally, I feel I, your mother in the room. That's an yeah. ego trip because That's right. a hippie thing to say. Yeah. It's an ego trip. I know, and I know, and I'm right, and you're wrong. Get to the place beyond thought because that's where you have a chance not to know fundamental reality, but to become at home within it and flow with it and dissolve into it. That's mm-hmm. that's fly fishing. That's truth. And it's very hard to write down. And as soon as you build a building to it, it starts to go a little bit wonky. No, it's right on. You're just right on there. <laughs> well, you said, I mean, I, I did... The church of people. a lot of words. I, well, I added a lot of words, but you said it. I, I just want to... If, if you need encouragement, it doesn't sound like you do. I want to be like, that sounds fucking A, right on the money. <laughs> and I'm just glad that you're not in Montana just, I don't know, you could be watching movies and smoking meth. Well, if you want to check, you got to come visit in Montana. I'm coming. Me and yeah. Kim will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. I have a, I'm, we have plenty of room in Montana. Is that true? Well, it's big. Is it big sky country? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is that what it's Montana's called? big sky, but yeah. there is a big sky res- ski resort, and big, uh, a lot of big sky stuff. Well, so, Huey, don't 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 kick the tires if you don't want to get in the Pete Holmes car because he'll, no, he'll be I, there. I'm, uh, you're invited. <laughs> you should, you can visit and get a taste of it. I we're doing it. You should do it. We're doing it. Can I bring a baby? Sure. <laughs> sure. We're gonna get a little fishing vest for Leela. <laughs> That's incredible. She's a little young for fishing yet. Have you had any experiences in your life that you can't explain? Uh, the, this podcast is called You Made It Weird. So if there's anything well, weird... I wish I could... My hearing. That... My hearing is the ultimate... I don't know what. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. And, and you know, with everything that I've been through, it's really interesting because in the very beginning I said, you know, it was just tormenting. And I think, oh my God, I'm, I can't sing. Hmm. I might as well... Uh, what am I going to do? I, I, I might as well kill myself. I might as well... Uh, I'm, you know, in a, in a roaring tinnitus and all... But, you know, it turns out you can get used to almost anything, mm. you know. And so now I tried all the all the various, all the Western stuff and all these. Uh, and really it's just come down to what you were talking about earlier is just to quit trying to weave, quit being a weaving spider mm. and just be open yeah and 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 stay healthy you know i i i exercise a little bit because that makes my body feel good yeah and, and let my body take care of itself and, and i'm hoping it's working yeah you know? there's also i was just richard Rohr, who's a teacher that just means the world to me he, he spoke at an aids conference a long time ago and he said that the line that really spoke to everybody there that he just got mail about for a long time he goes the real you cannot be hurt and that that i think I am not putting this on you. I'm just saying when I look at my hand, Ramdas has this line where he goes, "If I thought this was my hand, I would freak." Like when he was like getting 70, 80 and right. it's getting all the lines and it's starting to close down on itself. It's starting to identify with for lack of a better term, you could say your soul, your un- your awareness, the thing that's noticing your condition is who you really are. Sure. And and there are these fucked up challenges that come our way 
that can sometimes, I'm not putting this on you, but it sounds like it's nudging you towards a deeper understanding. Meaning, Huey, your value right. is the same if you sing again or never sing again. Right. right. I mean, that's a profound thing. We were just talking about it last night. I was like, could I stop? What if I lost my voice? You know right. what I'm saying? Right. It's way harder for me to deal with that in real time. So somebody coming along and being like, yeah, but your value is the same. Fuck off. Like, that's really hard for me to deal with. But somewhere, but there's it, a quiet place. It, it wouldn't be it. after a while, though. Is that that's what you're saying? What, yeah. That's what's amazing is that you begin to realize that there's, you know, there's people way worse off than you, than you, than, it, than any of us. Yeah. And and they, they chisel out of life. And they have hopes and dreams and they have good times and bad times right. and they're okay. I mean, they're, you know, it's... It's just part of life. You're always. playing the part. You're you're playing the part of the rock star with the hearing problem. Right. That's your story. Right. 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 And the finding the meaning in that. Right. Is your challenge. I, I don't know how to do it, and I sure don't want to make it sound easy. But yeah. that is what's happening. Yeah, uh, that's what's happening. And and, <laughs> and you know, it's only been a year and nine months. <laughs> yeah, which means but, you weren't. You went through that dark period. How did you find the will to pull out of that? Where was it friends? Did you have a support it was system? My, it was my, my kids, my family, my kids. Yeah. And my kids are grown. I, my, my son is 33 and my daughter's 34. Mm. But they, we, you know, they're, they're just great. And there's nothing like family, you know. Yeah. And, they, and then I realized, geez, I have so, you know, even if I can't hear at all, I still have a, a lot to be thankful for. Right. You know? Right. Wow, that's lovely. So that, what was the, the rock bottom? You reached out to them? Yeah, well, what had happened? I reached out right away, and they came visited, and they look, and then, and you know, they've just been a constant source of positiveness for me. Mm. Dad, don't worry, it's going to turn around, and this, that, and sending me stuff, and visiting, and mm. just been great. And most of this stuff was in L.A. I went to the House Ear Institute here in L.A., and I went to uh, uh, a couple of ENT guys, and then I, I had other appointments with. They thought it was autoimmune for a while so i went to a neurologist and then i went and took all these different stuff tons of doctors and and so my son lives here in la and so i stayed with him and he would just look after me i mean it was like so wonderful man that's the stuff out of a movie kid yeah just take the reins like that and and look after his old man it was really very touching right wonderful you wouldn't have asked for it yeah but there it was. Yeah, he's and that that really and I realized that you know worst case scenario I'm I'm still I'm still okay. Yeah, right. That's beautiful. When you get these treatments, does anybody ask for a photograph? <laughs> <laughs> Selfies. Yeah, are people sure. going? Would you mind signing your results for me or yeah. whatever it is? Right, and 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 yeah, yeah. They actually like me to sign a check because most of them don't take. <laughs> well, it's interesting through this. This what's happening is like a humbling thing, but you through your career, one of the things that no matter what I looked up, everything talked about how you never bought it too hard. You know what I mean? Like you, you talk about your uh, the Huey Lewis and the news and the sports as a as a tidal wave as something that you rode. It lifted you off your feet. It took you on this journey. Mm-hmm. You're getting nudged by Michael Jackson. You're watching Bruce right, Springsteen. I know what you're saying. It, I, but you, you, you tell got, me. You got, well, I, I tell people, you know, it, it's a good thing to get a life 
just in case the career doesn't go so good. Mm, <laughs> you know, nice. I mean, you know, a life is a good thing to have. Yeah. Uh, just, just in case the career doesn't do it. That's no. Right. I mean, I've always, uh, and and I was no spring chicken when we, you know, I turned thirty years old with three hundred dollars to my name, mm. literally, and so then I got hit. So that it all, I had been, you know, around before then, and so yeah. on. So. Uh, you think I'm, that was I'm, good? I'm, like it would have been different if you had broke when you were twenty two. Way, way different. Everything would have. I mean, timing is everything. Look, I have no tattoos. Had 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 we come along four years after this, I'd probably be tattooed head to foot. If yeah. I thought it would help. And I'm not trying to be funny. You might be dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? True, true. I, there was a friend of mine, a comedian. I think it was Julian McCulley. He was like, if I was a, a multimillionaire, people give Justin Bieber a hard time. He was like, if I had $100 million exactly. and access and a driver to take me anywhere, I'd be dead. That was his joke, Julian's yeah. joke. So there's something about it paced out in this way that gave you some wisdom, that gave you some patience and a little bit yeah, of... And, and, and I remember, I'm kind of proud of the fact that we, when we started... When Sports Writer came out, we were on, on tour with, um, I guess it was 38 Special that was started. And, oh my gosh, the, it started to happen for us. You know, the, every night the crowd was coming to see us. And and it was, and I remember sitting the band down at one point and we had a chat. And I said, boys, enjoy, enjoy this because, you know, the, it's never going to get any better than this. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well... You know, we're supporting here, so we don't have... The pressure's you know, off. We, no pressure. Like, you can only dazzle. Yeah, we show up at <laughs> 7 o'clock. We eat the crew meal, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, you have lobster, and then we go out and play for 45 minutes. People go crazy, and we're done. Yeah. I said, we're going to end up being headliners here. We have to worry about the lights. We have to worry about the sound. Right. We have to worry about boom. I said, you know, it's not going to be immediately, but this is going to be a long ride, Enjoy this ride because it only happens once. Yeah, and, uh, what a and gift we really did. We that, really did enjoy it. Yeah. But you had perspective in the moment. I feel we like did. that's one of the keys. I was, I was thirty years old. Yeah, I wasn't twenty-one. But I feel like I, you've you've had this experience of not buying into whatever's happening to you. And even though I, I want you to know that I hear the 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 sadness of what's happening to you, but I also hear some of that perspective where you're just like, just like a hit record, here's another phenomenon coming my way. Let's let's try and enjoy this I'm, lobster I'm hoping, meal. I'm, I'm on a literally, I'm episodically, I'm on a really good spell right now. I'm about, my hearing's really good today. Yeah, this is about as good as it's been in two years. Yeah, so that's good. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. But you, <laughs> it must be you. This is where the Church of Pete Holmes takes a goofy turn. If I start claiming that I can make healing, <laughs> I can do some healing. You'll get a Meniere's. I got 300 people to be over here. In the yeah, state. I know. What a tricky thing when we when that when that element is brought in because yeah. it's a, it's a crazy thing. But yeah, I mean, clearly it works sometimes, right? And well, why? Because you heal yourself. Right? Well, that's what, that's what it is. I feel like any, any healer, I'm interested in that stuff. I haven't yeah. had any experience with it, fascinating. but they seem to say that they help you realize the part of you that's healing because you are building yourself. This is just healing basics. One Oh one every seven years, you're a different thing cellularly, right? Which means there's an intelligence inside of you that knows what Huey Lewis is. I think about this with my hand. 
So it what is keeps, it with your hand? What is it? It's just pulling. It's called trigger finger. Is another okay, thing. It's sure. just going to slowly pull it. You're supposed to get it when you're seventy. Can, is there an operation? They can you can get an operation. It's just not messing with my life right now. I, I still have movement and I stretch it. And I think I do try to think positively about it. But that means that every seven years, this is also rebuilt. This is now in the blueprint of Pete. Right. So something inside of me, the 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 organizing intelligence in me, I don't even mean God, I just mean in my genetics, is going, okay, let's make Pete again, because that's what it's doing every moment. It's rebuilding itself. And it keeps getting the order to make this part of it. And the healers are saying, like, you're you're it, it have more agency than you may have been led to believe and say, guys, let's update the blueprint. Make me again, but make me without that. I feel like that's the basics of healing. Interesting. I wish I knew more. No, that's good. Because I, I can say, if I can just give you some love, we're all just, come on, we're on your side. This is great. Right. You're part of right. America. You're a part of our lives. You're sweet to say that. You're sweet. That's so nice. that also, that was an eat, pray, love. This, this woman, um, Elizabeth Gilbert, she would write a list of who are all the people that want me. She was trying to get out of a bad marriage who are all the people that are rooting for me to do this difficult thing and should make a list. She was like my grandmother who maybe had passed. She's pulling for me to do what's right. And then they'd start getting crazy with it. Like Abraham Lincoln, he seemed like a really, he's a, a man of integrity. He wants me to live my truth. So they'd put Abraham Lincoln wants me. So they made this like beautiful list and that's what gave her the power. This is different. This isn't a disease, but that gave her the power She's like, I'm doing what Abraham Lincoln, like it or not, we're stuck in these Jungian, Freudian, right, archetypal right, right. disasters, and symbols transform us. And so for what it's worth, there's literally millions of people that are like pulling for you. And no, that, that's, that's legit. That's legit magic. And it's, it's sweet to say, and it's important <laughs> to remember. And, and, and I get that. I get, and the, you know, it's interesting because before this thing, we were just making records and moving, and I have to be—I honestly I have to admit—I didn't really think about the audience much. You yeah. know, I'm so concentrated on the next song. We're making records, and then yeah. we're going to go on the road. And we're doing, and I figure the best thing I can do for the for the audience is just to give them our best stuff. Yeah. So I'm working bubble one. I never, I never really paid attention. Then boom, I get hit with this, and now suddenly I get these letters and, and these emails and stuff from from fans. Wow, and I yeah. and I have the time to read them and everything. Right, and you suddenly realize the impact you're having on people's lives. I mean, it's really touching, and and yeah. and you know the ter- people with terminal illnesses, people way worse off than me, and the hearing problems, mm. and how wonderful that is. You know, that's, and that's it, fishing. And that fills you up. I mean, yeah. it makes you feel better. It's also making you less, as we were saying, less individualized. Now yeah. you realize you're a part of this whole. Thing. Yeah. It's really wonderful, man. I mean, I can't, that's helped a lot for me. Yeah. You know, just to appreciate that. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. I think fear and panic and dread are fostered in how, can be, you know, encouraged by how much we believe our own narrative and feel isolated, like stuck in one of these. Instead of feeling, as I always say, it's more like one fountain. It's like we're part of part the same of fountain. Yeah. 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 That's what you feel when you're in Montana and hopefully I bet you felt it on stage. Yeah. I mean you say you see that. You see ten thousand people, those are all individuals. Yeah. But when they're all singing hip to be square, it becomes one thing. That's yeah. one of the reasons why we love I think why we love live music 
is because it's an expression of what I think is really going on behind the scenes is like one thing with the illusion of separateness. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and it, what's so interesting is that it's the same thing, but it can mean different things to everybody. Every, it, a little, little something different to everyone, you know. That's yeah. right. And that it's everybody personalizes that thing and, and it speaks to them. That's right. And that's great. And you, in ways that you have no idea. That's right. Uh, what, you don't even That's the diversity. Conceive of. That's what I mean with all the different types of flowers. Yeah. It's beautiful that everybody's doing it their yeah, own I way. Yeah, I agree. I don't want one type of flower. No, and you want and, <laughs> and you want and you want your your art to be appreciated in different ways. That's Not, right. You don't want everybody to see the same thing. Well, that's what we've had I've I've had a lot of musicians on the show and I'm like Sometimes you write a song, like you said, hip to be square. People think it's a ode to hipness, but they got it wrong. Yeah. I'm sure you've had people be like, you know, I, I uh, whatever, I'm struggling with this disease, and I love that you wrote, I need a new drug, because that's right. clearly about treating a disease. And you're like, no, it's not, but I'm glad it is for you. Yeah, good. Because whatever it is, yeah. if, it's, if it gets you through the night, I'm glad that that's Yeah, on. I mean, songs are interesting, because, you know... They, they, you're just kind of a conduit for the idea. Yeah, yeah. is is comes from the muse or something. I that's you know, right. There's no way. I mean, you can get in a room and they do it in Nashville all the time. And I've done it. I've done it. Let's write a song, and three or two or three of us will get together in a, mm. in a room and write a song. But it's never very good, you know. It's always <laughs> kind of rehashed stuff. But the great ones just kind of come to you. That's right. And and then you're just true to the song. Right. And 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 then. And now you write the song, and then you record the song, and now some of them just get up and fly, yeah, and others just don't, right? And some of the ones you have the highest expectations for just don't work, right? And then other things that just were just a brief little idea, wow, just get up and fly, right? And it's very strange. There, you know, no, I have nothing to do with that, right? <laughs> a lot of the people that come on the show that don't have any. Um, vocabulary for a higher power the way that because i'm sneaky i want to try and get them talking about that sort of stuff everyone will do it when you say where do your ideas come from because they they talk about the conduit sure the most ardent materialist will say sure. i feel something passing that's through me it's really good. isn't that fun that's really good what was one that What's came that, that's creativity isn't it that's right where does creativity come from and we're back to how are you hearing your thoughts that's, and what are these thoughts anyway yeah. but I, I do i thought it was interesting that you said you got up after a rough night and wrote i need a new drug because sometimes the part of our brain that's so critical when it's off off its rock or when it's tired or when it's I, I have really great ideas when I'm in a different time zone. Uh, yeah, like right. you no, travel and you're like, I'm going to bed. It, it's 11 p.m. here, but it's 3 p.m. My body's time, but I have to go to bed. So you take this weird nap <laughs> that's supposed yeah, no, to be your no, night. No, no, no. And then you wake up and you'll have like a really inspired idea. Because I feel like the part of us that's so good at saying, you're not shit. Your ideas are stupid. You're you're done. We, that goes to bed first. And I, think, and I think you need to be receptive to this stuff. Yeah, you know, you, you can let the, the the world clutter you so much that you're not receptive to good ideas. You yeah. need, you, need, you need to be receptive because there's good ideas around, and and, and unless you're looking, for, you know, you, you need to make yourself what's the word attractive to the muse. You yeah, know, the muse is out there looking for somebody to give her, and you want to be, you know, perceptive. that's funny. It reminds me of something I read in this book called um, Deep and Simple, 
where they talk about enlightenment, spiritual enlightenment being an accident. It's not something that you can make happen. It's an accident. Right. And they were like, so what, what are we doing with all this? Like meditating and studying and singing. What is all that? And, and the teacher said, you want to be as accident prone as possible. <laughs> is it So like these great ideas are just going to show up. But we can do certain things to make ourselves, That's right. I like what you said, attractive. That's right. And one of them might not, might be like cutting yourself off a little bit from all the exactly. buzz and all the noise. Exactly. And, and, and the day-to-day, have periods of, of quiet, uh, you know, where meditation, nothing, nothing whatever it is. better than one day away from your phone in yeah. my experience. Yeah. That day, like I'll take Saturday with the phone in a drawer. I'll have a notebook out and it'll, it'll just fill up. The more I say I'm not working, the more work gets done. Fly fishing. Fly fishing. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. There, no phone required. Ugh. No app. <laughs> no app. There's for, no app. For fly fishing. Very good. I want to do it. That's what I said about having a baby was I was like, this is the opposite of looking at my phone. Like instead of something giving me some artificial experience, it was the most primal tribal basic it's amazing right it's incredible and how about respect for womanhood i mean just i have a joke about it i was like you so, look at the interdimensional space portal that is a vagina differently it's an amazing thing it's, it's an amazing thing and yeah. what's amazing is if you're like me you know you have all this interests in life and you have all these priorities in life and you have you know family and you got fathers and you know fathers and mothers and cousins and brothers and sisters also and you have this child and boom, in one second, this child jumps to the top of the list of all your priorities. Yeah. And it just boom. So Val said that to me last number night. Number one. We were coming home with the baby from lunch, and we were like, do you remember on a Sunday would come home and would be like, what do you want to do? <laughs> and Val would be like, I don't know. You can play a video game or something. I'll take a nap. I don't know. We just didn't know what to do. And now you're like, we know what we're going to do. There's the bedtime routine. I'm going to feed the baby. We're going to give the baby a bath. Somebody's going to get the diaper ready. It cures so much of your existential full day crisis and gives you something outside of yourself to live for that's not just, I could use some coffee. And like, let's be honest, something endlessly else. entertaining, a kid. Yeah, that's right. Endlessly entertaining. I I'd mean, you can watch it. It's just endlessly entertaining. I'd stare at our baby, and I do. Right. And that, that, that is another thing that brings you into the moment. The more present I am with the baby, the more that you see like a miracle is happening. Like she just figured out that you can get a sound out of this. Like she just started drumming that. Yeah. And if you look at her face, if you're really there with her, <laughs> you're seeing literal connections in her brain happening. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, like, right. or you could just sit with your baby. Man, I don't want to be too judgmental, but we were at lunch and there was another couple with a baby and they just seemed so annoyed by their baby. And they were both on their phones. And I was like, guys, a, a, a universe is being born. A, a new supernova is exploding in the sky. And you're on your fly fishing app? <laughs> like, get out of here. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So you, you, had, you have two kids. Two kids. And, but you're not your... I have a granddaughter. Now. No kidding. I have a, I have a, I have a year, almost two-year-old granddaughter. I love that. Who's fantastic. Two years. I yeah. can't, everybody says it gets better. Just like yours. Oh, well, yeah. Well, it, what I mean, happens, it gets uh, two to five is, is fantastic. It always gets more and more rewarding. Yeah. But two to five, it never gets any cuter than two to five. <laughs> That's cute. 
then puberty happens, and then you, one day you go in to kiss your kid goodnight, and they and, hate you, and, you, and you know, your son or your daughter, and they they kind of got some bo, you know, you smell like, wow. what's that? Where's that nice baby smell I used to Oh, have? my God. My baby smells like fresh cookies right now. I can't imagine. Oh, that, you're a long ways away from yeah. that. Yeah. Was it... I worry about this because I go out on the road. What, uh, a friend of mine... Uh, I think it's... Yeah, it's in his in a song. Matt in the National has music about his daughter like lying down in front of the door to try and stop him from going on tour, which I was like... I can't imagine when my daughter is yes, old what? enough... Explain that again. So he'd be going out to tour with his band right. for like a month or something or right. more, and his daughter in protest would lie down in front of the front door to stop him from going. How, how, how old was she? I don't know. Oh, but she knew he was going for a month. That's what I'm saying is That's now I can leave. I can just kiss the baby and leave. Right now, yeah. But there will come a time when she knows what it means when yeah. dad has his bag. Was that tricky? Yeah, that's really tough, man. That's really tough. And the toughest part about it is it's not so tough on the kids. It's tough on you. Mm. And, and, and the, the other thing that's tough about it is sometimes, you know, when you're raising a kid, you have a difference of opinion between mom and dad. Mm. And like, um, and, you know, and, you always, and if you're on the road and you come home and your kid says to you, now they're older, and it goes, to, hey, dad, mom's making me do this, blah, blah, blah. And you actually agree with him yeah. in this one. But you can't stick up for him because you weren't there, right? So you have. You're to also go. you have to consider the source. So I have to go to my kid. I say, <laughs> look, us, you know, I kind of agree with you on this, but I got to back your mom up. Yeah, I, I'm not here. She bubble, and I'm sorry. He said, but that's not fair. It's not fair. Said, Sometimes it's not fair, and it's tough, and I got to do. It. But you know, yeah. that's the problem. If you're not there all the time, you can't be the. You can't be the guy that swings in and goes like, I side with you. No, no. We're yeah. going to let him stay up and watch the show tonight. Yeah. yeah. Right, I want to stay up and watch. I want to stay up a half an hour later or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom says no. Yeah. Dad, come on. I'm going to watch the money. Well, whatever. You, you know, if you're, if you're there, you can say, okay, you're going to do it, and you can boom. But if you just got home after a month road trip, mm. what are you going to do? Say, okay, I'm going to make, you know. Have, right. You can't do that. You have to, like, remember the family unit. So your so your so your wife is very important yeah. as a m- mother becomes more important. If yeah. You, if you if you travel. Yeah. Are you still with your child children's mother? No. Uh, we're still married but we're separated. Oh, okay. But yeah. we've been separated for 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> we're still pals actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so interesting. When people get divorced, I'm always like, has anyone ever just considered we're going to stay married but we'll be separate? Um, marriages ought to have a 5-year contract. Uh, to, with an option to yeah, renew, option renew every five years. <laughs> I think would take some of the pressure off yeah. all of this eternal speech. And, and then with a child, you could maybe write a fifteen-year deal with a child, right? So, but you're still pals, yeah. And, but you're you can see other people, yeah. Well, we, we 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 neither one of us has you know a significant other, so um, and we're you know we're old. <laughs> Let's face yeah, it. but you're Jeff Bridges. There's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Jeff's age, I think. <laughs> I guess that, that was a fancy way of saying you don't have love, like a romantic thing. And this is no. again, it's not a gotcha podcast. I'm just wondering. No, no, I don't. I no, not. I have nothing right now. Well, I, I, you know, I have my family, my kids. I love my kids. Yeah, and uh, and you're good with it. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. I got. 
I'm hoping to sing. That's really what I'm really concentrating on. It's funny, like that can fill a similar space in your life, right? I mean, it's like no you question. could have a relationship or you could have your, your work fills you up in the same way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of thought when my wife and I separated, we, you know, we were driving each other crazy. Uh, but, um, and I, it just hasn't happened. I just, I, you know, she hasn't found anybody and I haven't found anyone. I don't know why. Mm. You know, it, for, I think it's because we're older and spoiled, you know, and, and you get so stuck in your ways at a certain point. Yeah. And now, if you're spoiled, how, who, how are you going to meet at this ripened age who you're going to be? You know who doesn't the where the baggage is gonna yeah gonna combine you know who's I mean, gonna like flow with how you like to live your yeah, life. yeah. you know it's gotta it's gotta be such a perfect fit yeah and you're so spoiled at this age you know it's tough do you think you could get back with this person yeah I suppose I I don't know let's call her we're <laughs> <laughs> no we're still friends I just talked to her this morning really yeah. Well, we this have, is a good love story. I, well, I don't have, know. We anything. own all the stuff together. You know, we're still just separated. Yeah, so, yeah. and we want to give all the stuff to our kids. We we both care mo- more about our kids than anybody else. Yeah. So why get in a pissing match? You know, and right, and and why even get divorced? We and I think if either one of us had a a a, a significant other, we probably would get divorced. But it just hasn't happened. Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a screenwriter, so I'm like. I'm already writing the scene. You're writing it? Yeah. I, here's the monologue. Well, after all of this, I look in my heart for love and all the things that have changed and my kids and our lives. But it was always you. That's what you'll say. It's good. And she'll start crying. It's good. And you'll go, Huey, it was always you. <laughs> and then we'll cut to black. Here's the problem. You'll have to live past the cutting to black. So you better make sure you mean it. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, it would be a good movie, but I want you to have the right life. And it sounds like you're doing just fine. Yeah, we're doing fine. That's good. This is great. This has been great. Do you feel good? Is there anything you wanted to cover that we didn't? I don't think so. I think we got her. We're kind of excited about our new record. We yeah, talk, talk about, about that. We should talk about our new record, which is... Um, is going to be called Weather, and I, I think it comes out in February of 2020. But we've released a single digitally, and we have a video on the way that's really fun, man. Jimmy Kimmel's in our video. How fun! And uh, and Michael Keaton's in our video. Oh, that's great! And Jimmy Buffett's in our video. Awesome! And Joe Montana's in our video. No kidding. And uh, Brad Paisley plays the guitar solo in our video. Whoa. And uh, Andy Garcia is in our video. Wow. And Sean Hayes is on our Okay, video. it's We Are the World. I understand. <laughs> You're going to record all no, night. No, it's a really pretty cool video. And then we have another single coming in November. And then Thanksgiving on Black Friday, we have a single, vinyl single with a track from... Like a seven inch? So, yeah, like a, they, they do this Black Friday thing at the record stores. Uh huh. And then, then, then we're going to release a video. And then next year, February, uh, on Valentine's Day, we're going to release the album. Wow. So we should be back on top in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Any minute. Right back on top. <laughs> I feel like that makes the movie. This is for a movie? This is for a documentary. Yeah. That Kurt, Kurt, 
Kurt here, our documentarian, or what he is, a filmmaker, really. Yeah. He, um, He's he, hoping for he, that he wife scene. I'll tell you Dear that right Zachary. now. Have you ever seen Dear Zachary? Oh, yeah. Thanks that's, for that. That's his film. Get out of my house. <laughs> don't, you, tell, don't tell people you made that. Get you, out of my house. Have you ever seen um, Batman, Bat Kid Begins? Bat Kid. Get out of my house. No, that was more uplifting. That's his film, too. Wow. Real deal Holyfield. And he directs... Uh, the Blacklist, episodes of The Blacklist. Oh, wow. job. He's a, a USC film guy. Edit this out. He's a quite a talented guy. <laughs> edit all of that what out, What did he please. say? I said edit it out. Yeah. Edit this out. I don't want anything about Kirk in here. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, you edit it out. He'll edit no, it. we won't edit it out. Yeah, that stays in. That's beautiful. But, well, I'm excited to see that. The real crux is he grew up in Mountain View, California, where you know I've been playing since I'm 19 years old. This is one of the club I played. We played the wooden net. We played all these different clubs down there, and he he, he knows our history. He, wow. he was a fan. That's awesome. Eight units, Mountain View. It's from Glen Gary, Glen Roth. But yeah, so that's he's he's doing a, a little documentary, and then um, it uh, doesn't sound like a little one. It I, sounds I, like he swings for the fences. This is going to be on airplanes. We also have a musical. Who doesn't? Everybody has a musical these days. Yeah, but we have one called Harder Rock and Roll the Musical. We put it up in San Diego at the Old Globe Theater for six weeks oh. and did really good. It sold out, every completely sold out. Yeah. Had good reviews. I mean... And now we're waiting on a theater Broadway. Good for you. Us and, uh, and Alanis Morissette. We're, they're, 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 she's a kind of our comp- competition, I think. Oh, wow. But, but, and hopefully, well, that's ironic. But it, it was really an, a, a neat thing, this musical. That's really cool. Really cool. No, I mean, there are bands, I'm not trying to fluff your nut, but there are bands with way fewer hits than you guys. I mean, you could do, Yeah. Huey Lewis and the News can do an hour of just number one. Yeah, hits. yeah. Well, not, no, <laughs> so, no. Maybe not an hour, top but I mean, 10, you could, de- yeah, top 10 for we sure. We have 20. Yeah. I think. That's incredible. So, but, so it, it stands, I'd like to invest. <laughs> Be careful what you wish because I may tie that to the trip in Montana. <laughs> it's all a ruse. This has been delightful. We are going to check out the new record. Thank you for plugging it. It's called uh, Weather. Right. W-E-A-T-H-E-R? Yeah. Uh-huh. As in Huey Lewis in the News Sports, Huey Lewis in the News. Weather. Oh, wow. So clever, huh? I know what you're doing. Yeah. After, yeah. And then um, we asked the final question because we do get heavy. And thank you for going deep with us. Um, can you think of a time in your life where you laughed really, really, really hard? You already told us about one when you were on LSD. But is there the hardest laugh in your life? Does that come to mind? The hardest laugh of my life. Wow. Let me think. Um, dang it. Here's what I always say to help. It doesn't have to be a good story. Just when you're laughing and your stomach hurts and there's tears on your face, who are you with? How old are you? Maybe you were a kid. Maybe yeah. someone farted. Maybe someone fell. Maybe you were watching something. These are these are common areas. Yeah. Well, I'm. Let's see. Man, I laughed. Um, wow, that's tough. Because I laugh a lot. Um, okay, I'm gonna say. I don't know if I can tell this story. I probably can tell the story. Why not? Can I tell the story? Yeah, you can tell. It's, it's a semi-racy story. I love it. It's 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 a it's a story on my bass player John Pierce, who is a wonderful guy. Lives here in L.A., and we were at um, 
at a hotel in Dallas. It's a really fancy hotel. And we go, it's a, it's kind of, and it's appointed like a brothel with, it was, it was, you know, red velvet and all this stuff. <laughs> and so we're having, we're, we're having, we finished the show. And we go over and we're having a beer and there's a table next door, these gals and they, and we're talking about this hotel. We track up a conversation with them and they start telling us about their room, which is just unbelievable. And and because it's, they got the suite, and it's because we're talking about what an incredible hotel this is. They said you got to see our suite. Said, okay, great. <laughs> so we come up, three of us, and three of them. Was this proposal made after they knew you were Huey Lewis in the news? Yeah, <laughs> after, after they knew who we were, they knew who we were right away. Yeah. So now we get up. Now we get up into the room. We open the door, and we and they they go, and indeed it's this huge room. And it's again appointed like a brothel, amazingly appointed. And uh, out of the back room, we, we go in with these three gals and the three of us. And, and back room comes a guy, walks out, and he has on a tank top and nothing else. <laughs> no underwear. He's Donald Duckin' it. And he's, need to say, exposed from the waist down. What state is his and member in? This. Is it pointing south no, or no, north? No, it's 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 it's, um, it's benign. It's benign at the moment. What do they call that? Flaccid. I like benign. Benign. Yeah, and benign is nice. All right. Well, anyway, so but he walks out from behind a thing, and he go and and he goes, "Oh my God!" He says, "Huey Lewis." He says, "Geez, we we're just talking about your concert, man. It was great." But I hear I'm, I want to shake your hand. And he reaches his hand out like. And he's fully exposed, so <laughs> I shake his hand, and then he hands, then he, and I say, this is my bass player, John Pierce, and he sticks his hand out to meet John, and John says, and, and his name was, uh, his name was J- Joby, oh, oh, damn, was it Joby or Joni, Joby, Joby, <laughs> he says, Joby, hey, Joby, nice to meet you, and he sticks out to meet John Pierce, Joe, and John Pierce says, Joby, nice to meet you. What's with the penis? <laughs> <laughs> What's with? And the then penis? he says, "Kind of proud of that penis, aren't you?" Oh my god! And, and I fell out. Bad. I fell out. I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, I'm glad you thought of that. That is one of the <laughs> finest answers. It's also truly hilarious. It's not just like a weird yeah, story. Well, John, John, What's with the penis? Is maybe. I know a lot of comedy writers could take a 20 minute break. I don't think we're going to beat what's with the penis is very, very good. He's a funny man. John Pierce. Very funny man. I love it. Yeah. Huey. What a treat. It didn't hurt a bit, Pete. I'm I'm so they glad. warned me, but it didn't hurt a bit. <laughs> they thought they told you it goes deep or something. Yeah, they told you go deep. No, I think I this, enjoyed it. I, I really did. This was one of my favorite episodes. I'm not just saying that people don't know that I go deep occasionally, but I do. I knew you did. Yeah. No, you gotta I go. Appreciate, I appreciate it. Flip a few. I appreciate pages. your thoughts. Yeah, man. Well, it's just, it's silly. It doesn't really mean anything. We end the show with the guest saying the catchphrase, which is "Keep it crispy." Would you say "Keep it crispy"? And oh, that of course I would. Should I tell everybody? Remember, everybody, keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> they say the harder rock and roll is in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever get a Huey Lewis song in your head, just kind of humming it to yourself? There's a fine for that in my band. <laughs> If you hum your own stuff, there's a fine for that. I, I, it's funny. Uh, the one I've been singing over and over is Chicago. You know, I played, 
I played Billy Flynn in Chicago and Broadway. For, oh, no kidding. For 222 shows. Wow. Which was really fun. Wow. But those songs... Those are catchy. ...worm their way into your head. Yeah. And, and then they keep popping out every so often. It's yeah. been 10 years since I did the show. Wow. And I still still sing them sometimes. That's, well, that's what they'll be saying about the new Huey Lewis in the music. Let's hope Musical. so. Let's hope so. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pete. Let's get out of here. I've seen my honey shoes I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice cream make you haters want to get me.